0: Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk.
1: Random Access
0: Memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk Thomas and Guy from Daft Punk.
1: There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Guy Manuel from Daft Punk.
0: Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to, the, to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Punk!
1: welcome robots big and small from around the world it's time to get lucky we're just humans after all even though i forgot the last one from it's okay i'm not gonna hold it again shit i forgot i forgot last week you're excited yeah i'm excited because if i'm being completely honest you always should be it's a podcast uh, this is the episode I am maybe most looking forward to in the whole thing that we're doing because, folks, here on a live twenty twenty one, a Daft Punk podcast. It's a live twenty uh, thousand seven week. Oh my god, twenty thousand seven, twenty thousand seven, Alive twenty
2: thousand seven. I
1: can't even get it out because I'm so excited. It is alive two thousand
2: and
3: seven. What is, is alive twenty thousand seven? Oh, man, <laughs> no, I don't. They're even robots, know. so ostensibly they, it can
1: happen. Yeah. <laughs> like that that uh that episode of. Futurama, where Bender just like hangs out in the desert for a thousand years, waiting for them to come back and pick him up. Yeah, that's like trauma. Hey, <laughs> <That's a> li- <laughs> 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 okay, uh, folks, I am so grateful that we're um, we are in the uh, the live era of the band because this this is this is what happened for me. This is what happened for you. I saw this tour; it changed my life. I'm wearing a bootleg version of the T-shirt right now. You are because I let know. me let me describe
2: Andy's shirt, everybody. It is the alive. Uh, it is the alive tour you know, shirt. It's tour got the shirt. dates on the back. But if you get up close enough, you can <laughs> see that it is clearly a, a JPEG. JPEG. That's not sized for this. Yeah, it is too, definitely uh, sized for a digital screen, and it has been pixelated.
1: Uh, it's too big. Enlarged. Yeah, it's way too big for I that. I thought image. that
3: my my eye prescription was just uh-uh. getting worse. Right. So I needed to get new glasses. What right. happens?
1: What happens when the your favorite concert? in your whole life uh, is 15 years in the past. Yes. Is that the mm. shirt. You turn it to a pillow. <laughs> yeah, the shirt you have to turn into a pillow because your um, your supple 17-year-old body yeah. is much different so, yeah. than your supple 33-year-old <laughs> yeah, body.
3: Yeah, so every uncle in the
1: world has learned that.
2: Yeah, uh, every, every, every uncle in the your world. Your tour shirt becomes a throw pillow yeah. in your vibe then. Yeah. That's what
1: happens to you. Yeah, you, you hold on to it. For years, thinking I'll get back down to my seventeen-year-old weight at some point. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, I'll figure out how to slim this frame down. Then, then you kind of uh, come to terms with the fact this might be it for you, and you make the shirt into a pillow. Being a
3: grown-ass man in your thirties and going to the doctor and be like, "Do you have any advice on having the body of a (laughs) seventeen-year-old boy?" (laughs) Um,
1: So I I saw this tour on August third, two thousand seven at the AT&T stage at the uh, very tippy top of Grant Park in Chicago, Illinois. Yeah, uh, I was in a big field, and I pushed up toward the front um, uh, by myself because all my friends wanted to see a different ad. They wanted to see Ben Harper. And at the other end of the field, I could see and hear LCD sound system. They closed their performance out with a little song called Daft Punk is playing at my house. And then I turn around and Daft Punk played for me. And I could tell they were playing for me because you might not – like you can't see their eyes, but you can tell when they're looking at you. Right, right, right. (laughs) And both of them were looking at me almost exclusively. Mm Um. Like yeah, this this concert changed my life. Uh, I've talked about it on the show many times at this point, and I don't. Uh, uh, we'll get into it as as it goes. But I wouldn't be here talking uh, to Daft Punk fans around the world if I hadn't gone to that concert. I don't know if I ever would have found my love of dance music, and I don't know if I ever would have um, found Andy. <laughs> <laughs> wow, just watchy, wow. Watchy. <laughs> um, so I yeah, I am very excited to do this one so much so why don't we give away a t-shirt because i'm so excited we should do that's a good idea absolutely should so uh we all know the pyramid our the pyramid uh, features prominently on the shirts we're making uh there's a shirt uh, it's got the pyramid on it and then in big bold letters it says two french robots yep if you want one you can go over to uh, alive 2021.com and purchase one right now or the first person to at us on our Facebook page or our Instagram with the hashtag 2 French robots with a fan-made drawing, you made drawing. You do it. Don't find one online because yeah, we'll know. You have we'll to
2: know. do it, and you have to write on it as well to Andy and the Live 2021. Yeah. And the, you have to hold today's newspaper. <laughs> no, You don't have to do the take newspaper. A pi-
1: yeah. <laughs> a, take a picture of a drawing you made of the robots in their famous pyramid. And, and if the if the ugly little baby from Technologic is in there. If he sneaks that, in there. I know that you guys there. won't really be able to tell.
3: It looks like our shirts have the pyramid from the show, but it's actually the pyramid from the music video. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but yeah, so tag. I can tell. I can tell. Tag us. Tag at uh, a live 2021 podcast. Also use the hashtag TwoFrenchRobots. Uh, and, and, and the first one, uh, we'll send you a message and we'll send you a free shirt. So absolutely <laughs> do that on
1: the social medias. Um, if you do it on Facebook, tag our uh, Facebook. Page. We've had we've had incredible luck getting extremely timely emails yes. from fans around the world.
3: Got, we get, we get, get lucky, lucky
1: because uh, uh over and over again at this point, folks have reached out about the episode we're about to record. And this week it's a real corker. Uh we're we got an uh, an email from uh Caesar Caesar or Caesar, probably I don't know. We'll go Caesar. <laughs> yeah, dealer's choice. You dealer's pick. choice Caesar Castillo. Uh um He opens his email, Google, do you want to hear a podcast about Daft Punk? Me, maybe. What kind of nerds would do this? Google, theater nerds. Me, you son of a bitch, I'm in. (laughs) (laughs) So already. You're our people. people. Yeah, you're our people already. Uh, uh, um, Caesar's 43. He lives in Los Angeles. He went to a a long string of Coachella's. uh, This email is incredibly long. Um, so I we're not going to read the whole thing uh, on on what will almost undoubtedly be our longest episode <laughs> uh, uh, until the Ram one at least. Um, but uh, he said two la- two thousand six was his uh, the best one he went to, obviously because of Daft Punk. Yes, he said he was only a, a casual fan at the time, uh, but that. Uh, um, the The show, you know, just like uh, Andy here, the show changed his life good uh, uh but um Caesar writes, I was diagnosed with stage uh three B lymphoma cancer right around the time the bootleg audio of this performance was shared online. Um, um, so this uh yeah, so he, Caesar lets us know how incredibly important. This show and this tour was to him at this point. He had to go through chemo. Um uh and he says he went to the Miami show, which was at the end of two thousand six. Mm-hmm. They played there at November. That was their last show of the year. Uh uh, you know, he wanted to figure some stuff out for himself. Uh he went he went to the um That show, he says, six months later, I was back to my normal life. Just a few days after Coachella 2007, I learned that the cancer was coming back. For the first time, I started to get a little scared. Um, This is when uh, Daft Punk announced that they were going to play the LA sports arena. I begged my doctor to let me uh, uh, start my third week of chemo a few days early. I figured if I had two days out of the hospital that I'd be relatively fine to attend the show on a Saturday night. He didn't want to let me do it. But I pressed hard and he eventually relented. Alive 2007, my third Daft Punk show. Physically, I was a mess. I required help from the medical team to keep my PIC line safe. The arena didn't have AC, so my friends kept me cool by dousing water uh, on my head. Medically, I should not have attended tended spiritually i was exactly where i needed to be setless was the same overall with an additional surprise ending the highlight happened during around the world when lights from er the arena danced in bright rainbow colors lighting everything up you could see everyone's ecstatic faces truly it was beautiful um he goes on uh he uh uh he took him a week to recover physically uh uh but daft punk made uh helped him through this awful period, uh, period. Um, he says Daft Punk music means so much, uh, now that it's hard to explain the significance that tour is ingrained in me like clockwork. I still tear up every time I listen to Daft Punk that Coachella performance was 15 years ago. I listened more to the official alive 2007 release, but I really missed those opening chimes. Um, Caesar, thank you so much for sharing yeah, this.
2: Right. Hell yeah. Thank you so much that's for uh, for reaching out with that story. That is uh that is amazing to hear. Uh we, we love the the community that we find ourselves a, a part of. Uh and it's stories like these that really uh that, that really I don't know, they, they, they that that connect us. That like I, I agree that like the, I wasn't there or whatever but daft punk for me is one of the things that has changed me more recently than 2007 yeah. like you guys but but again it's it's crazy to hear other people's versions of that that are a lot higher stake versions yeah. than ours you know and um, and
1: and and uh, thank you so much for reaching out the single that, yeah. best thing about this whole experience for me is is hearing from these daft punk fans from around the world and um a lot of them have told 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 me like you know, I'm from North Carolina. I don't have anybody else to talk to about this stuff, but yeah. these two robots uh, changed my life. Yeah. Um, um, there are, are Daft Punk fans on every continent, all around the world, and it's beautiful to hear these kinds of stories from Caesar about how how positively this music can change people's lives. Um, people that don't get it, uh, um, you know, they don't hear deep lyrics and they hear w- repetition or whatever but there's so much beauty and happiness in music that is uh, put together with the express purpose to just make people feel good and that's what Daft Punk has given to the world just like shit to make people feel good and it's just so beautiful to to hear that something this there's something so impactful in my life yeah uh, ha- had such an unbelievable importance uh, in somebody that went through something so Heartbreaking and painful and awful as, as Caesar did so thank you so much for sharing that if you're listening out there and you have your own Daft Punk story um, No matter how small or big uh, It is or personal if you you know, whatever it is we want to hear it. We're we love connecting with people um, About this stuff. So if you're out there and you have your own personal story email it to info at alive dot 2021.com or um, Find us on Facebook or Instagram and connect with us because uh, like I said uh um sharing daft punk love with daft punk fans from around the world is the single best and coolest and most uh exciting thing that we've gotten to experience through doing this project so uh keep yeah. it coming and we'll, we'll we'll get into the track by track stuff but one of the
2: reasons uh, and it's it's topical to this topic which is why i'm gonna jump to the encore yeah. right now uh but one of the reasons that i think that this encore is the best encore in all of music is because i think it it, it realizes that together and human is is what n- is the You know, it's the X factor to all of this, you know, it's what this concert that we're going to talk about in depth, uh, this this live show, it's what really the missing piece has always been all along is that it is about togetherness and humanity uh, at a level that. I don't know that we've seen yeah. before or after, you know, I mean, we'll debate about those, uh, those things all for a long <laughs> yeah. time, but, so um, it's, thank you. Yeah. Cool
1: thank you. Caesar. Um, your email was, uh, was too long to share the whole thing, but it was really, it means a lot to us. There's no a knows. couple, a couple bullet points at the end. His personal email is human Caesar and his work email is robot Caesar. So <laughs> I don't know. Where, cool. I don't know where you where work, but that's great. And, um, he sent along a link to um to contact timed up with 2001 a space odyssey. We're going to watch that later. Whoa. Oh, hell yeah. He hits his, uh, it's uh, um, hits his favorite song off Ram. So you, Caesar, and Darren are gonna have a lot to talk yep. about. Yeah, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> yeah. And, my uh, favorite moments. and uh, I, I just completed my first DJ show ever. Yeah, I did that at a little party this weekend, and yeah, I yeah, closed yeah. out my set with Contact. Yeah, which we have all
2: agreed that that should be your thing. It's yeah. closing out every set with Contact. Yeah, I think that's the right move. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: We ripped it. We all did our first party this weekend. Yeah, we really we did. All spun music for the first time. That, that was great. In front of people. In front of
1: people. Yeah, uh, a, a pub, our first public performances all around, and I think it went well. It That's went blast. really well. You know what we didn't do yet? Let's let's
2: uh, let's fifteen minutes into this, so let's do some introductions. Yeah, <laughs> oh, man. man. Uh, I have I did say the
1: title. You of the did. Show. You this did is a live 2021 Adapt Punk podcast. I'm Andy. Uh, I'm Darren. I'm Tavyn And We're three best friends who can't get enough of talking about the two Frenchest robots in the world. Tomas and Guymon. Yep. Um, do you want to get to it? I think that we better. We better. Because I have an interest to sleep
2: at some point in yeah, time today. And we better. I, I have a strong feeling we're going to be talking for a while. It's
3: a good thing we started this at 8 a.m. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Uh, I uh, t- putting today's script together, nerded out maybe a little too much. We'll see <laughs> if if there is a
2: time and place to do that. It is here and now. And we've so. been <laughs> it's it's every week on Tuesday
3: nights. <laughs> here we
1: go. Let's do it. Dance music is meant to change. It is a constantly rotating pulse of ephemera, a slice of which can capture the capital G groove of its specific moment in time. From disco to new wave to house and techno to electronica to French touch and beyond, every evolution of the ethereal beat introduces a new generation of partiers to music that is scientifically engineered to make your balls stink. Right, Darren? (laughs) <laughs> I just want to highlight the fact that we have moved to the point where we're using the
2: capital G groove as a term that's accepted. About I it love a lot it so much. It's, I got a lot to say about it. I yeah, got a lot to say great. about it. Yeah. The capital G
3: groove. I love that we've The royal
1: on, groove. I love that we've moved on to a point where we just casually accept the phrase, music to make your balls stink. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I didn't even think twice about that one. I <laughs> understand better believe this.
2: Buddy. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with everything that you just said. <clears throat> in
1: 2006, after a few years of cultural slump for dance music in general, a new scene was ready to explode. Justice, who had uh, made a name for themselves uh, remixing big-name acts like Daft Punk and Britney Spears, finally hit pay dirt with We Are Your Friends, a Simeon remix that won them an MTV Europe Music Award for Best Video. Which resulted in the lesser-known instances of Kanye West interrupting an acceptance speech. Yep. <laughs> uh, people don't remember. They remember. What did
3: he the, interrupt for the, What did he say? Uh,
1: he was like, "I spent a million dollars on my video, and you guys think yours is better than mine." It's really crazy. <laughs> an annoying man. It's really crazy. Uh, but it also cemented uh, Justice uh, as one of the leaders of the next wave of electronic music with the release of their debut album, Cross, in 2007. Mastercraft, a Canadian duo featuring one half of the dance punk group Death From Above 1997, or 1979, sorry, released their first album in 2006. Chromeo was building a following that uh, that would explode with their sophomore album, Fancy Footwork, in 2007. Simeon Mobile Disco, the Klaxons, Hot Chip, didd- Digitalism, Blog House was here and dance music was finding a new footing for itself with a new rock oriented fuzz that welcomed an entirely new era for beeps and to a lesser extent boops. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> I thought you were going
2: to say didalism. <laughs>
3: didalism.
1: <laughs> is would not be a good name no, for a band. No, I'm
3: not going to listen to that. Digitalism? Not
2: for a band. Yeah, so this is like a this is a time where I, I think People like me at the time, right? I was never. I would never consider myself uh, 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 an EDM
1: person up until so, so semi-recently. But a lot of these so, things. Okay, so that that's a specific distinction right here. Yes, EDM. Right, is not a thing. Right.
2: Yet. But the, the idea of the, like dance music, I, yes. you know, the idea of justice being dance music is not something that, you know, then yeah. 17, 18 year old me would have thought, you yeah. know what I mean? Like the idea of, of songs like that being, we've talked a
1: lot in about the same context of a lot of the stuff that we listen to now, how sounds from five years ago in this specific kind of music yeah. sound like, you know, so old. right. And so this is a constantly. Rotating evolution of yeah. of, of uh, an industry of a of a community, this was a specific moment in time when dance music was setting itself apart. That's what was back then. Right. This is now, and uh, uh after you know, so uh, in context, the early two thousands are a very weird time for the entire industry in general. Yeah. Because. Um, There's all sorts of raids on on um, uh, venues that are holding this kind of thing. There's a new resurgence for the first time since Rudy Giuliani in the in the 90s was like cracking down on drug culture and party stuff uh, in New York and things like that in the early 90s. Early two thousands, there's a new wave of this. We have to clamp down. There's busts on raids. They're they're uh, rushing cops into dark rooms and like beating up kids, scaring them away. Yep. They're arresting party promoters and owners of clubs that are hosting this stuff. And it's and it is kind of putting a damper on the entire idea that dance music is a is a a, a viable business and. Uh, genre of music that can hold sway culturally. Right. Um, uh, and up, you know, there's a slump in the creative output, there's a slump in um, new experimentation, there's a slump in the zeitgeist. This, like 2003, 4, 5 is a lull for this music. The I Justice and Bloghouse and Simeon Mobile Disco and Mastercraft. Are this new exciting sound? It's more rocky, which I think makes it more welcoming to the public, right? It, it's not, it's not the house music that everybody knows. Right. So you don't you don't hear Justice and you think like, that's drug music, right? But you hear you hear like '90s house music, and, you're, and people at this point are like, that's drug music. That's yes. bad. That's bad for you. Um, so I think it was just like this moment in time where, uh, um maybe possibly led by a human after all yeah <laughs> uh, uh, there was an infusion of rock into this music that reintroduced it to pop culture and the public writ large and and dance music started to gain a little traction again yeah
2: I mean we talk about the difference between like the you know, the Matrix soundtrack sound mm-hmm. and in this sound we're talking yeah. about now. And it's, you know, it is it is very much a different thing. You know, yeah. you don't think you don't hear justice and think hacker music or whatever, yeah, you no. know. Yeah. Uh, that's cool. um,
1: so acts come and go. And because sounds and scenes are ushered in and out of the zeitgeist with such vicious frequency in dance music, something that held the interest of the entire global economy of dance music a few years ago can seem ancient now in 2006 that's kind of where daft punk found themselves um they're on the precipice of complete cultural irrelevance uh irrelevance doomed by a critical and commercial flop of a third album they hadn't had a verifiable hit since harder better faster stronger and they hadn't played play live since the 90s like 97 uh daft punk seemed like history and many people including their fans assumed that that's kind of what they were Thomas Bigalter and Guillem-Manuel de Home and Christo had released a deeply unhappy album, uh, Human After All. They wrote and directed a psychedelic art house movie in which their robot likenesses killed themselves in the desert. And then they released a greatest hits compilation, Music Volume 1. Last week we heard uh, that even some of the robots' friends looked at uh, the end of Electroma as the end of the robots, and rumors around this time were swirling around the internet that Daft Punk had reached its end. But just because the robots weren't seeking the public spotlight didn't mean they were gone forever. Tomas said at the time, we were quite secretive uh, and were not expressing ourselves extensively, so there's all kinds of rumors that uh, can see the light of day but it's never been the case that we were thinking of retiring in general. We feel we have a lot of things to express and we're always trying to find uh, the most innovative or experimental way to do it. Daft Punk's career has always been defined by seizing on creative inspiration and throwing all their resources into making the biggest possible version of that vision. Uh, In recent years, all that creative energy was spent on saying what they needed to say. Daft Punk, specifically Tomas, worked through something with Human After All and Electroma. Now on the precipice of another revolution in dance music, with Daft Punk, Daft Punk in the danger uh, in danger of being labeled the old guys in a genre overwhelmed by youth, Tomas and Guimon were ready to party again. The last time anyone had seen Daft Punk on stage, the band was wildly different. They were still, still entrenched in the acid house buzz of mid-'90s European uh, dance music, and the boys weren't even robots yet. That's how, like, it's wild to think how... Much the robot imagery is part of Daft Punk, and three albums into their career, fifteen years fifteen years into their career, they had not performed as the robots. Yeah, that's really wild. I mean, the only stage robots we've
2: seen, I think, are still the around um, the world that the, the those those robots in that video, right? Have we seen? I mean, outside of Electroma and the, yeah, the te- technology, that little guy, little guy, yeah. but, but those are the robots we've seen. Mm-hmm. I, I mean. Which is crazy. It's crazy
1: that we have – yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, 15, 15 years into their 28 career, your career, they had not actually performed live as the robots. Uh, said Tomas – uh, we toured for three years between 95 and 97, and we released a live album just after that tour. At the time, we had uh, a concept and a different way of bringing electronic music to the audience in a live situation. We took our studio on stage with about 15 drum scenes, 10 keyboards, and four sequencers. We were undisguised in the darkness of rooms or in raves, uh, and we were more in a process of improvisation. After this experience, uh, we got the impression of having done the tour that we wanted to present, and we preferred to focus on the studio. Um, uh, as iconic as the robot imagery had become, Tomás and Guimán had never donned the helmets on stage. It was time for that to change, said Tomás. One of the concepts behind this new show was to make the relationship between the audience less spiritual and more real, which is, I, I think is an interesting point because Daft Punk does not quite have like a normal audience-artist relationship. They're not... They have never been interested in having a dialogue with their fans, right? Or really like giving people what they want, um, or pleasing people who like them in any way whatsoever. How many
3: times have they directly spoken to fans?
1: You know what I mean? Never.
3: Yeah. It's not like they're guys who do a press release yeah, or they're
2: guys who have an email list. Yeah, the only thing I can think of, the only thing I can even think of is the Toonami promo. I mean, that's like literally the only thing I can think of. And that's crazy robot voice, you know, like that's the only thing I can really, I guess Daft Club, the Daft Club promo too. There was a a robot voice.
3: But it's not like
1: they've they've held a couple like they've held a couple like ama type things over the years only a handful yeah um uh, uh but yeah they like they specifically wanted to abstract the idea uh, of like how fans and bands interact to the point where you know like they they don't tour that often they don't they're not seen in public when they are they're in masks you know they they wanted that separation of things. So, the idea that at this moment in time they wanted to make a real connection with with people for one of the only times in their career, uh, it, that's just like this lightning moment, you know, like like uh, yeah. lightning rod moment in their career. Uh, although Paris is and always will be the robots' home, they have set up a second base in Los Angeles, centering their Daft Arts production company there, and recording and producing most of their art out of L.A. since the release of Discovery. Because of their L.A. connection, L.A.'s home festival, Coachella, yearned to bring the robots to the people. Although Coachella has built a brand on introducing the world to the next big thing in popular music, Daft Daft Punk had become like a white whale for the uh, event producers. They really wanted these guys there. Every year in the early 2000s, the festival approached Daft Punk manager Pedro uh, Pedro Winter to gauge Daft Punk's interest in performing. Every year, Pedro's answer was the same thing. No. Daft Punk had, uh, uh, or sorry, uh, Tomas had developed a scary t- case of tinnitus, which had forced him to quit DJing in clubs in 2002. And some people were convinced that Daft Punk would never and possibly could never play live again uh, if Tomas Tom- was like losing his hearing. But Ord Michael of Slam later said Tomas had kind of recovered from the condition, but it definitely made him rethink his relationship with Thumping Loud Music. Um, uh, at this time, Coachella offered $250,000 to get Daft Punk at the 2005 version of the festival. They said no. So the next year, the festival returns with a $300,000 offer. Pedro politely told Coachella the band had no interest in touring, but that's a lot of money, so they would see what happened. Finally, after some talk, $350,000 was on the table. The robots agreed to close out the Sahara tent. With one more stipulation. <laughs> so year after year, no, no, no. Eh, okay. One more thing. One more thing. <laughs> one more thing. Coachella's normal business strategy is to pay a 10% advance and then cut a check for the group after the performance. Yep. That was not going to cut it for Daft Punk. Uh, the group routinely spends its capital to invest in the next project, but this time around they had big ideas. They needed everything if they were going to complete their vision for the performance. They wanted their entire payment, which would then be spent completely building the live show of their dreams. Said Tomas, the interesting thing was that Co- uh, with Coachella, was, it was a big offer financially, and that triggered the ability to bring the show to the next level. We were ready to play again. We've never done anything for money or tried to make a big, uh, a, take a big economic advantage, but we have crazy ideas, and these ideas can be expensive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I have a lot of expensive ideas, but I have no cap. I have no way to act yeah. on them. Yeah, no. <laughs> I have some of the most expensive ideas. Yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: as Pedro pointed out in the documentary Daft Punk Unchained, this was a rough patch for the group. Uh, um, people uh, people think they're outdated, maybe even uncool. So honestly, at this point, it's kind of a gamble for Coachella to put put this up, but they agreed, and Tomas and Guiman set up their Daft arts studio in LA to get to work um they uh Gimon at the time you know they'd been working in LA and stuff so Gimon said like all these people around town were telling them about Coachella like that's the place to go you really that's where you go and they've always liked playing at festivals we we've heard how fondly Gimon is of like the even further thing that mm-hmm. they did in Wisconsin. So he says the idea of going to see other groups, meeting people during uh, partying during the day and night, it's a different vibe than going somewhere and playing from 10 PM to midnight. Also, it's very tempting to do concerts again with songs from the last two albums. So the idea is simple. Do something that's never been done before. <laughs> Great. Uh, yeah. When so, is this? This is, this is in 2000. Well, no, this is, this must be 2005. Uh, Cause, or like late 2005
3: cuz we they they need capital mm-hmm. to do this.
1: Yeah. They spend
3: a million and a half on Electroma. Right. That had to have been tour money, right? Cuz that's yeah. it comes out like later 2006 and like it premieres like, like again early, early into 2007. That had to have been Money they got through some of this tour stuff. Yeah, I do They're if they're raising three hundred fifty thousand dollars, there's no way they're spending a million and a half on a movie at the same time.
2: Um, I yeah, I don't know. I don't. Remember but the question also cool. becomes like I I would bet that more than the you know they they went out with the idea to build a multi festival headline yeah. show, right? right? So they put more than just the Coachella's amount right. of money into the show. I guess it's probably so no, reality. they
3: make I mean they I'm saying they make enough money from this yeah. that they have money to play with for I don't
1: that. I don't remember what the shoot schedule was. I don't know if I ever had like what when those eleven days were they shot sure. Trauma. I don't remember. Um but but yeah there's there's no there's no like set set number this is how much we spent on it they got 350 from coachella estimates could put what they put into the show all the way up to half a million but there's no set number so they, but <laughs> they did a, they put a lot of money into this. Said Tomas, uh, in 2006, after three albums, a film and an anime movie, we wanted t- uh, to totally rethink our project by starting over in terms of performance of the onstage representation of Daft Punk, of the idea of a concert itself. We chose to adapt our new vision by constructing a new type of setup. The concert became a multimedia presentation based around the music, music which was part of a precise stage design. Uh, It's also a new type of performance because we brought together lots of songs from several times uh, uh, into the same show. Plus, the concert is very structured. We aren't in a process where we improvise between cues anymore. From the moment we found ourselves in a theatrically uh, – uh, uh or we found ourselves uh, in theatricality beyond uh, reality and fiction. We felt like it was a musical. We felt like it was a musical. Plus, a concert, this show, it's really a performance with the idea of a written show with a score and a virtual story. From another interview, he said, we don't want to put on a TV show by just projecting comment uh, content on screens like the Chemical Brothers or J- uh, Basement Jacks have done. We wanted to provide an environment where the public can really be in it. So we kind of threw... I yeah, we got to do some other big acts under the bus. Why? Why do you say <laughs> that? I don't know. <laughs> we Like, there might be some tension between them and the Chemical Brothers. Who knows? I, I
3: mean, they've had Basement Jacks remix them twice on yes, the most right. recent two yeah. things. So I think it's like... Maybe they're saying, "Well, they've already done that."
2: Yeah, I yes. think I think that it's it's that same prevailing idea. They're like they're building off of the standard yeah, to yeah. create the new thing. I just think no, that like, there's there's a way that Tomas says stuff that yeah, we've he, seen over and over that it it, it, it it can ride the thin line of being pretentious of a little arrogant, kind of arrogant, yeah. you know. But Absolutely. I think again, I think that that quality is is the other side of a coin that it's gets hard. us.
1: It has to be. It has to be weird to to be a genius to be a french genius that nobody con- understands because <laughs> he's a robot yeah no i get it continually set yeah. the industry standard over and over again yeah it's got to be very
2: it's got to be very taxing a yeah. person to just be such a tortured brilliant mind right jesus christ <laughs> <laughs> we're getting too effusive
1: <laughs> oh man uh the next 4 months would be shrouded in secrecy even pedro winter didn't know what the boys were up to um they uh, eventually invited Pedro to a rehearsal just 10 days before they were slated to perform at Coachella. He said at that point, uh, that's when he saw everything. He says, the setup, the pyramid, the LED. Now everyone uses LED, even nightclubs. But then to cover up pyramid and LED, we had to go through all of the suppliers in the U.S. It was not easy. <laughs> that's wild. See, yeah. <laughs> they There was like a shortage in the United States on LEDs because of these two dorks in their pyramid I well,
2: i remember <laughs> that's so awesome and this... i say
1: dorks in the most loving sense right. possible so this
2: would have been in you know so i you, you would have been what 19 at the time i would have been 17 yeah 17 18 at the time you're a little younger what you're year
3: what? is this we're talking 2006 it 2006. would have been
2: 14 so i'm at this point i i can remember being in an electronics class and my electronics teacher like he, he's like Going nerd crazy about LED technology and what it's going to be. And I remember, like, I remember in this electronics class, like, we got one LED to hook up (laughs) to a little circuit and stuff. And, like, that's what LED technology was like at the time. It was like it was being used in, in, um, not not at con, in consumer applications as much as we're used to today. Everything's LED now. But at that point LEDs were pretty much, you know, like sports arena yeah. scoreboards and and like that kind of stuff. You had the you had what, what was the like the
3: like your old Nokia phone that yes. had the black yeah. text on
1: yeah. green background? Um, that, like a Game Boy.
3: That
2: is Yeah,
3: what is that? That called? is like LED technology, but it's like yeah. um it's like
1: unilluminated. Yeah.
3: Like, yeah. It's like single color on single background.
2: Yeah. I don't know what that's called, but yeah. Yeah. It's like the idea of LED technology today. is very funny. Like, cause like, again, those of you who are maybe 14, 15, 16, listen to this right now. LEDs it's part are of your everything. life. It's yeah. you know, LEDs are TV LEDs, are you know, um, but
1: this is a, this is an era when somebody to, to put the production into something that Daft Punk did. Nobody had ever seen anything like that before on that scale. And two, they had to almost buy out all of the United States supply to make it happen. This is what I'm looking for. Thin film
3: transistor liquid crystal display. That was the LED Hell back yeah. then. That's where you could p- like push on the screen and it would do the liquid. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. You would spend $400 for a one by one inch screen of that on your phone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Talking and about they were building... A twenty, 20 foot feet. tall pyramid
1: yeah. that's like sixteen feet you know at what's the base.
2: Crazy to talk, you know, on the on the topic of technology and stuff. You guys know I have my little pen click uh, flashlight, LED flashlight sure. that I carry around. <laughs> sure. Sure, right? <laughs> I like to have a flashlight. Uh, we we go in dark places a lot or whatever. I like flashlights. <laughs> but it's very funny. The other day I was with my my niece. I like my, my niece my niece who's you know uh, she's gonna be four yeah. later on this year. I I we were we were looking somewhere dark and I pulled out my little flashlight and I shined it on there, and she was like, "What is that?" I was like, "It's my flashlight." And she goes, "But where is your phone?" Yeah. And it was like this mind-blowing moment of right, like, yeah. technology is so crazy. Yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, these, these these LEDs that we're used to today, um, you know, that, that's not the reality in, yeah. in the it's in the time of the, the the show we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Right
1: now. I mean. Um, So those who stayed at the main stage to watch DePest Mode's headlining set on Saturday, April 29th, were sorely disappointed when they meandered over the Sahara tent to close out the night. The tent, built for 10,000 standing room fans, was completely overstuffed, and an estimated 40,000 people were crowded around the outskirts, pushing and prying, trying to get in uh, and see a peek at what was happening. This is music journalist uh, journalist Michelangelo Mata.
0: Everybody is just like, what the hell? Like, what could, What could they possibly be doing? And then out comes the pyramid. It takes a while for the entire thing to become visible, the entire pyramid, all the visual stuff.
1: So, in a festival's dance tent, the party usually never stops, uh, with one DJ hopping on as soon as the other, or as the last artist is finished. But Daft Punk needed a full hour of setup time, so the party stage remained ominously quiet once the audio bullies wrapped up at 9. Uh, the crowd, unsure of what to expect from a group that had made such a transformation since their last live show, eagerly awaited in front of a large black curtain. And then... <sighs>
0: Then Coachella, 2006, Daft Punk plays. And people's minds get blown. It like changed people's lives, including mine, forever. We didn't know what to expect. And the first thing that you hear is the Close Encounters melody. Do, 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 And everyone's like, oh. And then you hear. and then the curtain slowly parts to reveal this fucking pyramid with these robots on top and you're like they are aliens they are not from planet earth
1: that was uh that was steve aoki who was like yeah they're aliens Benny Hanna? That's, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Benny Hanna's own? That's, his dad owns Benny Hanna. I I, I watched a movie starring his sister last night, a little film called Too Fast, Too Furious. Machi
3: Machi. (laughs) I went uh, around this time, I went to Michigan State to tour their um, cyclotron, their like superconductor cyclotron or whatever. Yeah. And the warning noise to like, go into rooms when they were gonna like do something was the third encounter close encounters of the third kind rather. And that was always glued in my head.
1: I was not I was not a super fan of that movie. But i loved it I, it's good it's a good movie but they communicate with aliens through synthesizers <laughs> that's the most powerful thing in the world <laughs> It's that's
3: incredible true. they play a gigantic synthesizer, synthesizer into of, space yeah. and it, we can you talk to it. him through it
1: <laughs> he's got that's like cool as he's hell. making the mountain and mashed potatoes <laughs> yeah. I, I i watched it as a kid i liked it but it wasn't one of those like pinpoint movies for me like some people but when the fucking behind a curtain when you hear hear that and you don't know what's gonna happen, but everybody's talking about how cool Daft Punk show is, and that's the way it starts. Like it, like everyone lost their mind. That's it awesome. was very, very cool. And yeah, because uh, shit hit the fan.
0: Yeah. No one had seen anything like that. No one had seen that level of production. No one had seen that level of LED. No one had seen that level of projection graphics. They were at a completely higher level, just in terms of production, than everybody. Everybody who was in that tent was texting everybody else. You are missing this. This is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Oh, my God. Everybody I know who was a dance person was like, yeah, my phone blew up that night. Missing the greatest performance of all time.
1: Um, so that that's one thing that defines this show is that people using uh, cell phone cameras, yeah, uh, to text and to send pictures and videos and to post them on YouTube. It's a huge moment and it's kind of new. Yeah, um, YouTube is a year old. is yeah, a year old. YouTube, I think, officially
2: became something in 2005. Yeah. You know? Right and again. iTunes. So this is April, iTunes started selling music the way that we understand music in two thousand three. I mean, we're not very far removed from like the mainstays of yeah. what right. defines. If, if a music festival had now. an
3: act, unless you brought a video camcorder before this, which no one could, they would not yeah. let you bring them in. Right, you would never see it. So yeah. this is the beginning of this, this being able to go viral. A
1: huge, yeah, a huge moment in live music. Now that people can take pictures and videos of them. Share them with people. Put them on YouTube, and text people like you're missing the greatest yeah. thing I've ever seen. Yeah, um, and, and so there, yeah, phones came out, videos were filmed, the crowds going wild, and Gimon said after right, right afterwards, since it was the first one, we just wanted to get through the concert. <laughs> like yeah. that's all he's thinking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's the first time they performed in nine years. Yeah, that's crazy. And um,
3: there's so of. many things that could go wrong. Yeah, what everything could go
1: wrong. Everything here. could They're go wrong. They're playing
3: with Ableton. We're which going is to
1: yeah, like, we're going to talk about we're going to we're going to talk about exactly what's going in. We're we're going to go deep into the yeah. technology, but there's so much new shit happening for the first time ever at at any level that yeah, all of this could have just shorted out yeah. and like, you know, in a second overheated or shorted out or uh, uh <laughs> one of the nine computers needed an update, <laughs> whatever, yeah. who
2: knows. That's <laughs> crazy. You know what? After those clips, you know what is good to hear? it's good to hear other people say the shit that we say to our friends and family of this, you know, because we, we, we have all said that like this, this weekend, uh, you know, me telling my dad the exact same stuff. This is life changing. This is the most important thing that's ever happened to music, blah, blah, blah. It's good to see other people saying this.
1: We have talked over and over again about them setting the industry standard and like, you know, changing the way music sounds, adding, um, vocal order all these different things that they've given to music. Yeah. This Concert is the single biggest way that they changed music, right? Because we'll get to it, but they 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 presented something, and everyone has been trying to do this uh, since. Right. Everyone has has incorporated this shit into what they do since. Um, Tomás said. The last time uh, we were on stage was December 97. It's a show, so you're excited, but at the same time nervous, a little scared. We were also happy to do a show again after all these years. And as soon as we started, it brought me back to our previous live shows. It didn't feel like I hadn't done one in nine years. Plus, it went well. (laughs) It went well is maybe one of the biggest (laughs) understatements of all time. Daft Punk's Coachella performance is uh, still, to this day, one of the most legendary shows in, uh, in the history of America's most influential music festival
0: it was just such a mind-blowing performance it was kind of the birth of edm right there from that point on dance music needed to have a giant spectacle on stage and so you could love it or you could hate it i mean (laughs) but the fact is that Nothing was the same after that performance, and from that that moment, it was like I mean, it's all what DJs would be playing all across the country. Wherever I was playing,
1: it was like Daft Punk, Daft Punk, Daft Punk. Then we'd always be doing like that pyramid they did coach Coachella. So yeah, it's a uh, you know that that is EDM he made a mention of it right there right the the phrase EDM is really tied to the the big room headline yeah. stuff that all starts right here yep it all starts right here and um and that's where we that's where the influx of EDM comes from that's when it becomes a boom uh and this show specifically was important for like who was there to see it
0: this is a biz crowd as well as anything else this is where everybody in the music business goes to coachella so everybody in the music business including all the rock people who had for years and years and years been like what's the big deal i don't get it why isn't that guy on stage doing anything where are the guitars they get it for the first time for the very first time all the rock people in the music business are like Oh, that's what everybody's into. That's what people have been talking about all these years.
1: So yeah, just huge. Yeah, huge.
2: I, I, it's, it's, you know, we'll talk, we'll talk about all of this stuff, but it's crazy because, because I, you know, what I, I'd in my life seen, you know, clips of this, not understanding the importance up until whenever, yeah. you know. But by the time that, that we we as a group or I you know sit sit down stand up to actually watch this concert by that time I know this album beat to beat right yeah right because because my my biggest turning point for my like uh, like liking of this style of music comes down to two things which is you getting me into claude and then, me coming in contact with you saying if there's anything to listen to listen to this album yeah. trust me those two things are like the biggest turning points for my musical taste right so by the time i am experiencing this concert i know every beat like even listening to that that, that moment where chrysanne jumps in out of nowhere like i know that's coming i can't imagine being somebody in that room with no idea what's about to happen. It's can, just such a, cra- cause yeah, I, I mean, was I brother. <laughs> I'm just saying it's, 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 it's even, even having thought about yeah. this for countless hours, the three of us just thinking about that idea. Uh, it's truly crazy to me. Like, like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a very in the context of not having phones, not having bootleg versions, yeah. really not having really any idea other than, People are talking about this It's gonna be really We gotta do it We gotta see You know that kind of stuff That's a cool A a cool thing Lens to see this through
1: I uh, I Knew them I knew their songs And I just knew this like General Vibe Out there Of people that like Live music They were like This is one Like don't Don't Read too much about it Don't Watch too many videos online Just go To if you have a chance just see Daft Punk. Yeah. So I I like the su- like when I was going to Lollapalooza every summer, I was I I was like uh, the lollapalooza.com had like a forum and I would like I was one of those kids that was like on their forum uh, like reading all of the lineup rumors and shit like no no way are the Pixies coming this year. Like get out of here. They were here 3 <laughs> years ago. That kind of thing. Uh, and just kind of seeping in, like letting this kind of stuff seep into me and these folks on online, just saying, this is, this is the one that like, here's the lineup. Muse is there this year and Radiohead, and, and all these things. Uh, this is the one that's, yeah. that's the one that you have to circle and, and just being like, I, I'm just going to trust this, not look too much into it and, and listen to these people. And they were fucking right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Uh, this was a cool clip. This is Carl Cox having just seen them at Coachella. So tell
0: me all about it. As headliners here today, it was just absolutely amazing and how they got embraced by what they are as as a, as a group, as an art, as artists. But at the end of the day, they brought brought the funk and the sound and the house music to the table, and and the new electronic sound. They're the ones that were there first before anyone else. So for me to hear them today was amazing.
1: Even somebody like Carl Cox. Like you can hear it in his voice. Like it was yeah. like he's seen it all. He's yeah. seen it all. He's done it all. He's a legendary performer.
3: These are Pete Carl Cox years. Yeah, this is, Yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, you know, um, I
3: mean, it's always, it's always Pete Carl Cox years, but those, those were some summers where he was having yeah. some of the biggest summers
1: of his career. Absolutely. Um, that's awesome. Sad. Uh, Pedro Winter afterwards said, I am not a- ashamed to admit I cried. I was moved by the show and the people's incredible reaction. It was completely unreal. A spaceship had landed in the middle of the desert and there are 40,000 of us stunned by light and sound. Yeah. That's all that happened.
2: That's all.
1: Um. So they had planned uh, to do a couple of these, which is something I – don't even know if I believe, <laughs> right? Uh, but they have said that they plan to do maybe five or six performances in the pyramid.
3: I kind of get that though. That's what festival people do now. Yeah, you, know, you build a show for a handful of show things, yeah, and then, you know you build a different one next time because yeah. it's such a an event. So I, I, I when we were talking about it, I was like. I wouldn't have been surprised if they thought this was a once thing. If they thought we're yeah. going to do this one So time. they, they yeah. did this
1: April 29th. They don't do it again for two months. And then they do. We'll, we'll get to how many they do. But but they. So they've said like. Uh, there they, We had planned to do just a few of them. Uh, but then Tomas says a few shows into it. We realized there was an opportunity to take this show on a worldwide tour. We hit a note that we had wanted to express. And we thought that it was essential to share it with audiences. Initially we thought it'd be four or five six shows and we just passed our 40th. Uh so yeah, like a couple handful in they're like yeah, we got to we got to fucking do this thing for real. Yeah,
2: I I mean like we we talk about it. I mean that's at a certain point that's where the money's happening, right? You right. know, like like yeah, especially Especially after you know, post post Napster yeah. and streaming and years and stuff like that. Very I mean, like
1: open and honest around this time about the death of the recording industry as we know it. Yeah. And people don't buy records like they used to, and like you know, we're we're in this. We have you know, I, I took some. I know it, it's hard to believe that I took anything out of this book. I took some quotes out about how it's like uh um you know we've we've done we've set up ourselves where we could do movies and music videos and weird things here and strange things here and things unexpected um but it kind of put us in a perfect position to be artists of the future if the recording industry is going to die that's very much on their on their brains yeah right. Right
3: and they've never been interested in doing stuff for money that they didn't want to do but this is a thing where yeah the exact show they wanted to do could make a ton of money, <laughs> yeah. so it's like, oh, the thing that we love, the thing we we're really proud of, is doing really well. You have yeah. to do it, and and you, and you
2: know, for those of us out there who 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 love Ram, you know, th- this gives them the freedom to do whatever they want. For you know, not that they not that yeah. they were like you know tightening like how, their belts up yeah. to this point, but at this point that you know they can do anything they want for. You know, this and, is
1: and and it has a fair shot at success yeah, or whatever yeah. for the rest of their lives. Like, like Spielberg does Jaws. Yeah, uh, homework is their Jaws. I mean, but this I guess is their Saving Private Ryan. Right my my point is, hell. if they come out right, if they come out <laughs> and they do yeah.
2: human after all, yeah, they do Electroma. And then they come out, and their next project is another weird, yeah. bad, we don't, we're not talking. Thing. About, yeah. We're not gonna get, yeah. gonna get rant. You know, we're not gonna get yeah. the, you know, some of the, the you know, totally. I mean, and that's that's yeah, that's important. Yeah, I, that's that's a good point, Devin, That this is the nexus of of the thing that they want to do being Catching the thing at the that, right time that can make endless amounts of money, yeah. and it's it, it doesn't feel, you know, contri. It doesn't right. feel. Fake, you know, a lot of the times when, you know, a lot of the times something like this happens for a group and it feels like a sellout moment or whatever. This does not feel like that to me. Yeah, it's
1: like when LCD came back, they spent so many interviews saying like, we're not a legacy act. We're putting out new music. You know, yeah. I know we're old and fat now, but yeah. but we you know we were old and fat when we started it. <laughs> like you yeah. would say things like that. Yeah. It's is like, like, dude, just fucking do a show. I don't care. Like I like if it's a good show and you're doing cool stuff, it's not a legacy act. I overlook
2: cool- we, we you touched on it before and I I guess my my thought it serves that that the Thought I was thinking a second ago, which is music, music volume one. That's after this too. Though. No, that's before. That's two thousand six. That's before. So, I'm saying so. They had a, a stretch of they did of
1: three things that feel like like enders, career enders. enders. Yeah, yeah. Which they they, that, blew the they, they blew up the robots and they they blew up the robots and they put out a greatest hits record. Like I don't think, 000, and they don't say anything. They don't say anything. They they put they blow up the robots in Electroma. They put out a greatest hits record, and you're like. That's probably it, right? Yeah. That's it, right? I don't think
2: of music it, it, it being I, Like, I, that's not in my lens of how I look at this concert until right now. Yeah. Which that is hugely important.
3: That's how I felt like in 2003 when Korn put out their greatest pets. I was like, <laughs> are they going to be done? But they weren't. But they weren't. <laughs> there they, was so much. There were more. so
1: many kernels to be bu- bucked,
2: yeah. plucked in that. Yeah. Damn. But that also, I yeah. guess, you know, honestly, though, thinking of it on those terms, that gives them almost. You know, as an artist, Cart one Blanche. of the one of the best things to do yeah. is is show up to an audience that has zero expectation not, not not zero. But at that yeah. point, like people don't know if you're going to be good or you know what I mean. Bro like brother. you have you have the the, the perfect yeah. opportunity right there of like. People have already kind of, you know, Pedro pointed it out, you know, people, are they even cool anymore? (laughs) We don't know. So if they show up and they catastrophically fail, it's not going to be like, oh, Daft Punk sucks now because people will just be verified and wherever, you know, so there's kind of like a, it's almost like
1: an underdog story built into it or whatever. It's almost like an hour from now. I'm going to read you a quote from Tomas that is almost literally verbatim what
0: you just said. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. It's like they recognize (laughs)
3: afterwards that. Every year they don't tour, yeah. The dollar value of what their thing is goes up. So yeah. every year after Ram they didn't go on the road, though they didn't do the Super Bowl, it is more it's worth more money.
2: Yeah. They never cashed in. And no. also, they it's, ever it's in. a very strange... I, I am still of the belief that we'll get a cash-in on that one day. Well, I, I, still the, I still am. Yeah. I still will be in that belief. Yeah, but if they Until come, I die and it doesn't happen, they, I will believe Daft Punk's going to cash-in If they in do, one it, one out, if they they do
1: it in 10 years, they'll be 60. Like Then they will be a legacy. Gonna say, we're going to see Juan Adkins on Friday.
3: He's 60. That's true. Well, he's, he'll be 59 in September. I don't mean to be... That's true. But my other point is, the first time they went out and did this, they brought an incredible amount of synthesizers yeah. who did this insane show this is groundbreaking if your view of what you do live is every time I do a tour I have to reinvent what it means to yeah. play live music it might be hard for them to come up with yeah. a vision for a tour that is better than that. that's why i always yeah, had the, in my mind the vegas idea i
1: always had in my mind that it wouldn't even or be wherever. like a like a, all the guest celebrities or whatever but when you watch them on the Grammys and they had session musicians and Stevie Wonder and Niles playing and Pharrell really singing, I really thought that they were going to, like, come back around and add live instrumentation. And that's what yeah. the live show was I mean, going to be. You,
2: you look at, like, like um, not a di- totally different world, but like Wayne Kramer's MC50 show, right, where Wayne, Wayne Kramer MC5 gets his own superstar version of the mc5 to go play what he wants to play and he's the band leader and it's you know it's it's whomever from whatever big big acts but that's you know that's that's that mentality that's the the jack white mentality too of my solo project i'm gonna put together a couple different bands i play with and you know have the best performers in the world ready to do whatever i hand motion them to do and like you know like there's something to be said about that style of a show um yeah but, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I am still – like, like I will still think that they're going to cash in on this one day I, until either that, they die I wanna or I I want to know what they think of happen. Eric Pridz's show right now. Yeah.
3: I, I, yeah. I want to know. It
1: looks crazy. It's Eric Pridz's group. show is, is like, they, truly crazy. a different they, thing. I want to know what they think I would love – yeah. Because it's, like, it is the next evolution, gotta right? got to see that this There's, year. there's screens. It's He's so, going to be in Chicago like, um, at ARC in September. Like, Kraftwerk had talked about – the idea or like 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 James Cameron talks about the idea of of doing these five fucking avatars or whatever he's going to do and like pushing the the creative boundaries of the technology can we do 3D without the glasses like yeah. how does it work what can, how can we push it forward to the next thing beyond the the thing now eric prids show is 3d without eric, the glasses i can't wait it's to go wild. to that wild it can is like that is the cutting edge right now i think oh of God, the visual aspect of this stuff uh, uh to close out the coachella uh, side of things here's pete tong
0: it's quite funny in america like yeah, everyone's mad about Daft Punk. they all kind of say they were there at coachella that that that, that year but um most people weren't <laughs> they've probably just seen it on youtube the whole of the country couldn't have been there <laughs> but um they don't well i think the biggest thing about dark punk is they hardly ever play um so when they do play it's they create a lot of excitement and everyone's waiting to see if they'll ever play live again
1: darren that's you i am firmly of the belief that the finality of the quitting uh, retiring is intentional they don't mince words they don't you know they don't They don't make, they don't play tricks. They don't mince words. They're done. I don't think we'll ever see Daft Punk again. That's me. That's where I'm at. Yeah. I I
2: don't know. I guess there's a a side of me that practically and functionally believes that, but I guess I'm somebody who, who, you know, I think that we all have that little spark of what if, you know, what if, and I'm going to hope for what if, and if it never happens, I'm not going to be disappointed. You know what? But like. You better believe that if it does happen, we'll be there. Oh how yeah, many, uh, we'll be there.
3: How many big
2: acts that you know of who have retired never played again? I I Did mean, you think of any. I can't I mean- even think of anything. Fina- I mean, other than like you know, but that's the thing. Like. We could get a White Stripes sit there. That's my my world that I grew up on. I loved the White Stripes. I saw them every year. I could see them. Right. And it was devastating when they broke up. But then I got Jack White's solo tours. Right. I mean, uh, the which, Beatles, they stopped They stopped doing their thing and whatever,
3: but they that, that right. never ended for any of them. Exactly. I mean, I don't, does I it, can't think uh, of anyone yeah, who yeah, retires I don't, at 45 not, years old and never performs music out,
1: again. I'm not putting out. The possibility of a Tomas show or right, ne- does, his next much, project yeah, show or is, a Gimon show. Is
2: a Tomas or a show, does that... It's gonna be awesome. Include
1: <laughs> elements of a Daft Punk show. That's oh, yeah. the question, right? This one this one includes elements of Stardust. Exactly. One song that, so, so yes, they like if Tomas had a big tour, right. there would be Daft Punk. Exactly. So sure. so, I, I mean I'm, I'm
2: chalking that I, I, up yeah. to
1: what I what I think will happen. I'm on board for that. Right. I like Tomas at the Fox Theater or Gimon, uh Guymon at you know the, the at um the LCA yeah. or something, yeah. I, that that I we can get absolutely it all wrong. We will happen. go back in and cut this all out. say years of privilege. Yeah, like in watch, eighteen watch, months. Or whatever. But then, in, in
2: the span of time between recording this and putting it out, we get a statement just shooting down everything yeah. we say. That's our luck.
1: Um, but what what exactly were Tomas and Guiman up to those four months and hundreds of thousand dollars uh uh ago leading up? To one of these I, the most iconic performances. I'm very Lines curious. I what were they know. doing in Who that frigging garage? I wish we had more information. Me too, but we do. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much more. <laughs> uh, Daft Punk hold up with a small group of artists from different backgrounds and areas of expertise to build the show. Some names we know, Paul Hahn and Cedric Curvey. they're both um, Daft, Uh, arts people uh, that we've heard about before. Um, They were producer and creative director uh, respectively. Tony Gardner's company Alterion did prosthetic uh, prosthetic effects for the show. Other uh, credits include Philip Martins, lighting designer, Eric Beauchamp, art art director Janet Hansen, LED wardrobe engineer, Lisa Harris wardrobe stylist, Heidi Slemagne wardrobe designer, and eight BXF computer graphic designers. When Daft Punk started work on the show they needed to make some serious technological advancements in several areas to be able to achieve their vision. We'll start with the actual music equipment. Devin, this is your shit. So from Tomas in our setup, there are three towers of racks, which represent the equivalent of nine Mac G (laughs) fives. (laughs) <laughs> That's already crazy. Yeah, The sound, which is calculated with microprocessors, pa- passes through all these converters to extract the most power. It's like a distillation pro- uh, process, except we're here re- uh, recalculating the essence of sound. Each of us has a MIDI controller and synths. We're, uh, we are encased in light and video, video elements and there's no room for the equipment, which is installed on the, sti- uh, on the side of the stage. For this tour, we developed a MIDI Ethernet network. The information goes through USB with a system that transmits the USB by Ethernet, even when you're 50 meters away. Our approach has been working on a concert that benefits both the functional nature of computers and sound produced by analog equipment. We, aren't, uh, we weren't really convinced by headphone jacks and firewire. Um, as for the computers... They're not Mac, uh, even though they run on OS X. They're GBS, a company that uh, makes only computers authorized but Mac, but aren't Apple brand. NASA also uses these computers. So they're like literally using space computers in this fucking setup. Um, on stage, these computers are split into customized racks. They are connected uh, in a series of numerical analog converters which lead to analog processors. We control all of it at the center of the show. We worked with Live, Ableton Live in the most forceful way possible with fi- 60 or 80 tracks in a single 90-minute project. That's an incredible way to say to to describe using a computer program. We use Ableton Live in the most forceful yeah. way
3: possible. What does that mean? He really is crawling up his own ass with this. <laughs> like, but like, I like. He, there's another way to explain this, yeah. and he's he's
1: putting on the. This is you know. Yeah. This is the 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 magician talking people, up what's going to happen. People say people say um, people say they don't talk. They don't talk in English. Right. <laughs> I have I have gotten very good at finding. Uh, translations of uh, French interviews these guys have given and they like this is more this is more detailed and more um, uh, explanatory than anything we'll ever hear from an English interview that these guys give this this kind of stuff is very nerdy but I'm I'm into it yeah um we wanted to take advantage of live's capabilities, both linear and nonlinear characteristics. We also have four mini Moog Voyagers and Batlit Behringer Rotary Rotary controllers. Do you know what that means? What's a Behringer Rotary controller?
3: Um, I think that is, it's like a little box that they had, um, that I think they were using as a MIDI controller. Okay.
1: Um, and the mini Moog Voyager famously, the, the name of, uh, The the song title Voyager on Discovery is named after that specific uh, um, piece of equipment. Uh, We worked a lot on the sound, the fidelity, the frequencies, and a program like Live was the catalyst of this performance. In a certain way, Live goes back to the concepts that we had tried to develop with our physical equipment. The show at the time was nonlinear with lots of sequencers working in parallel. We didn't create a timeline that went from A to B. We did it like we had 15 drum machines and 15 analog sequencers on stage. All of it simulated. And in a simulating uh, simulation of our studio, our samplers, all our drum machines and all the other elements, we ended up in a virtual universe where anything was possible production wise. That rocks.
3: (laughs) That is very cool. I mean, it is absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, Ableton is the only software that works like that. Yeah,
2: know, that non-linear thing. Um, so when he says linear, non-linear, is he essentially kind of talking like 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 arrangement, like arrangement linear. and session? Yeah. yeah, exactly. Okay, cool. That's that's kind of what I thought. Yeah, it's it's crazy because what they're describing right now, in a positive light, I I believe is what becomes one of the biggest, you know, jabs at electronic music so hold that forward. thought really quick yeah.
1: because the setup uh, as new as and revolutionary as it was confused a lot of people right as a lot of people that have seen this stuff before and like this stuff mm-hmm. were very weirded out by what they were seeing yeah. because there's been light and video elements and stuff in this music before but it was so synced and yeah. so particular and so precise right. that a lot of even fans of this music were like hold on you know, even some fans once once they saw what Daft Punk had put together on this tour, weren't sure Tomas and Guiman were like actually doing anything up there, right? Yeah. And still to this day, the you know, uh, that with the precision of the lights sync to the music, that's one thing that really trips people up. What what are they doing up there? If it's that on the nose,
2: dude. I was watching. So today, today on our, um, in one of our Daft Punk fan groups or whatever, somebody yeah. posted Daft Punk cameos, and I had never seen their the Family Guy cameo. That oh yeah, they didn't do, but yeah. the Family Guy cameo is just you know obnoxiously racist french voices and uh Guillaume goes up to tomas and says uh i got this new synthesizer here's what happens when i press the demo button yeah and then some uh the, the tomas robot goes oh cool and then some woman walks in and says oh here's a grammy and that's the the family guy jab at everything yeah. you're just the, saying but the but, feat the feat of what they did yeah is putting this
3: spectacle together I've also read stuff about the show where it's like this show is, it's there's not a lot of variation in what they can do. No. The synths are there to play parameters and they're cueing clips and the way yeah. you cue clips. So we Hamilton. got we got some. But, we're, but we're gonna have
1: some also, more of that. I, I we're think, gonna get we're gonna get more into this stuff. Uh, so this is a complaint that's plagued dance music forever, right? right. Uh, the term button pusher gets thrown a lot uh, around a lot. And Daft Punk's dazzling new show, so beautifully slinked to the lighting, did not nothing to dispel these types of complaints. Um, Guiman and Tomas have opened up a couple times about what exactly they were doing and I found some interesting quotes from them Uh, this is Tomas the easiest way to explain what we're doing would be it's similar to what a DJ does sometimes but instead of having two or three sources there are sometimes up to 15 16 or 17 different sources in this show. Uh, uh, all combined and shuffled and looped, and all operated more or less in concert with the lights as well as the video, and all trying to stick to the story, uh, the show that the show tells, which is really a combination of sound frequencies and light frequencies, a very global experience, uh, tr- and trying to be as intense as possible. <laughs> like their goal for the show be as intense as possible. Yeah, but, be. um, so, um, Uh, This is him. uh, This is Tomas again. We're controlling the music and some of the cues with the lights. It gets technical. We have synthesizers and remote controls in the pyramid. All of the equipment is on big, large towers on the side with Ethernet remote controls. It's new stuff. It's fun because we've tried to really approach it from scratch and redesign uh, an entire rig that will allow us to do what we want to do. We want to be able to loop stuff, mash up, filter EQ, and transpose. It's a little bit chaotic. Um, so yeah, but it is, um, uh, I, I have more uh, in here, but it's, um, they have very specific parameters in which the next thing has to happen. It's so there are, they're, they're noodling around and they can filter and layer things a little bit differently, but when it's time to get to the next thing, they have to get to the next thing. I mean,
2: the idea of like. I don't think it's that far off with hindsight of being someone who, 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 who makes music in Ableton, right? You and I both, it's not that far off to, to look through a 2021 mindset and be like, Oh, they're essentially queuing up clips and playing with the parameters. But I think what's worth pointing out is that doesn't exist then. And they're they're at this level. They're, yeah, making the ability to kind do that of, but they also took a live show out
3: 10 years prior right. where they had a hardware sequencer where they had clips queued in it and they would queue it with a sequencer so they're doing it on a computer yeah and ableton now and then allows you to sync i don't know i don't know how much it did in the consumer version then but that's ableton's thing you can sync up video yeah. and light cues with it so it's like it's not dissimilar
2: to what they were doing
3: in 2007. Right. It's yeah. just in two, 1997,
2: in they had the elaborate They've, web right. of, and of cords was, and stuff that impressed people. And, you know, it's saying that all still is there in a way, but digitally or right. whatever. And we've pre-programmed it. It's just them. you, you know, Like, again, I don't want to butter them up too much, but like utilizing the technology that they have and pushing it to its to its
1: extremes is what they've always this is, done it's computer and that's what music. they're doing yeah it's, it's computer I, music and they've they've made these they made this rig where they can do they can do everything that they did with all that stuff on the alive tour with a couple computers. Yeah. I, and they're I, they're manipulating that stuff still, you know.
3: But I don't need to pretend that what they're doing here right. is the same performance that Simeon Mobile Disco Absolutely does with not. their rig. Absolutely I, not. I'm okay being like, yeah, this yeah. is such a huge spectacle that yeah. some of that needs to be. And I think
1: they've also, they also several times in here compare this to a musical, yes. A musical yeah. is the same thing every night.
2: Yeah, it's and you know those you know, of us who
1: have worked on yeah.
2: music. You know, I've run, I've ran yeah. the technical side of a live big production musical, right? Yeah. I know that it is engineered to feel as organic and alive as you can possibly make a live performance, but it is an incredibly mechanical and yeah. cute thing. That's
3: why I like this show. Yes. The yes.
2: precision
3: is why I enjoy absolutely this. Right. the reason. I go back to this and not 97 as much as like 97 does sound like guys noodling, noodling around with synths on stage. This is an incredible. They, precise they, show.
1: they engineer, just like, just like discovery. They engineered every specific moment of this visually and auditorily. Yeah to cause I mean, a ruckus we listen yeah. you know to this this every moment of this thing was scientifically engineered to cause a ruckus to
2: take the comparison right <laughs> the comparison again you said this, this you know we we listened to both of those live albums this weekend right um, and one of the things that i you know listening to Simeon simian mobile disco live right one of the things that i like when 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 hustler comes on it's it's not hustler it's right. hustler grooves or whatever yeah. they call it and the reason is you can't synthesize that the way that it is as a track there and for some that's a that's a bummer i wanted to hear rustler as the song that i love but we can't get that here and and, you know that's the difference in these things and that's why they should be looked at and appreciated differently again as two of the what what i think we would agree are two of the best live albums ever made for very
1: different reasons yes um so um yeah uh, their helmets. They've got uh, microphones and earpieces in there, so they are in constant contact between themselves and the visual directors and the lighting people. Uh, they're they're talking. Like like Nick Stevenson told us, there was about ten people specifically responsible for all of the different stuff happening in any specific, specific moment. They're all chatting. The show, uh, although it did have some room for fluctuation, was extremely precise. Um, so they had to keep a on a tight schedule to stay on track for all the visual cues. Uh, Giman said sometimes things mess up on us, but small bugs can always be fixed. Even if it's not as easy as changing a snap guitar string, we're at the mercy of technology. It's a lot less reliable than a music instrument. Like if any one of those nine computers falters, you know, yeah. what like that, you know, it's cra- again, like coming off of, you know, doing our,
2: our 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 backyard barbecue show this weekend. That's one of the things that happened to us. Yeah, my we didn't computer think overheated in the yeah, middle of we, it. we know, it's it's Darren run off and find a fan yeah. to put underneath the computer that overheated because yeah, it's 92 it hot degrees hot out. And doing I mean, f- that yeah. kind of stuff, like, like it's it's remarkable. Like, I know that they're at, at the top tier in the world or whatever. But again, it's just. That, yeah. that being at the mercy of digital, right, yeah. is, is such a real thing. So it's at,
1: like. At the end of the day, Tomas put the show, which is uh, as much a musical experience uh, as a visual experience, is very structured and precise, following a strict set list it uses in a uh, in a way an abstract narration there is indeed a level of improvisation where we can distort and shuffle the music patterns samples and loops in each phase of the show within fixed cue points but at the same time there's a constant result uh, that we are trying to achieve each night while performing and operating our system quite similar in spirit to a broadway show for example if you see a musical two nights in a row the performances are different yet the same you know yeah. same same deal uh, this this is one thing that I found that's very, I, I think, illuminating about what's going on at uh, the show. Uh, um, uh, when a- this is um, an example. An interviewer asks Tomas, okay, if you, one night in the middle of the show, you guys decide to jam out to a 15, just jam out to 15 minutes at one more time, can you do it? So, like, that's an interesting question within the yeah. confines of the so. show. Uh, this is what Tomas said. The program allows you to do it, but the show as it is right now does not. It works on a combination of music and visuals. So what we've worked more on is the ability to change things within certain timeframes, but we still need to move to a certain point or to the next song. 10 years ago, we were not interested in such a a visual implementation of it. It's a total representation of what we're trying to express, not just an audio one. We really see it as a kind of abstract storytelling and audio visual revealing from a very minimal monochrome start to a multicolor finish. Like the show from the beginning, Black and white, stark, hard. Yeah. And a from there, uh, colors get in, in invited into it at, until all the colors come and mesh into this big, big. Being being somebody
2: who comes from you know theatrical production yeah. sides of things, I, this comparison to a, a musical really helps. Yeah, because what you know, essentially in that moment, what you're describing is a, a pre thought out. You know, we call it a green light moment or whatever, right yep. on stage. That's mm-hmm. what it is. You have you have a green Absolutely. light here in this scene. From this point to this this beat to this beat, you have a green light to ad lib or do whatever you want or you know you can i mean that's a thing for those of you who aren't involved in in theater or anything we've all been in plays here and we know green light moments are great because you can you can add real spice to it or whatever yeah and and all of our shows that we've written or directed we've i think we've all used those moments to you know to catch you know that's how you get a real one-of-a-kind moment with your audience and between the actors on stage And, and you know that's a very cool thing to know that they you know, they essentially work that into it. I, yep. I really like that, that so, uh, analogy. This
1: is uh, this is the continuation of that quote. This is uh, Tomas Still. We've really tried to reinterpret every song so that they connect to each other amid this concept of mashup. We have a very precise image of the evolution of these three albums that we did, despite the the moderate response uh, that that we had to the last one. A lot of the tracks from Human After All, which had not been received well by critics and maybe not by the audience, have gotten a stronger response uh, now that we play them in the show. It's really important for us to try to express that, the kind of triangle that exists between the three records. I think the tour has been successful in that way.
3: And that's the other thing that I like about the precision of this record is if it did have noodley or parts or whatever, if they did have more room for that, it's like these tracks have been arranged. You yeah. know, It's not like we're going to play the song. They've arranged yeah. them into incredible sections that complement each other so well. I absolutely get that quote. If they, they spend uh, an extra three minutes in one of the grooves, that messes up the balance of these so Pedro,
1: like, things. Pedro talked about the first time he heard any of it was 10 days before Coachella. They showed him some of rehearsal stuff. And he was like, guys, you fucking wrote new songs like you took you took all of your stuff and you wrote new songs out of it That, that that's an incredible achievement and one thing i think that gets overlooked about what this is is they they took their favorite bass lines that they ever wrote and their favorite hooks and their favorite lyrics and their favorite synth lines and they, they mixed them up and they, they wrote all new songs from all the songs they've ever written. It's, it's like is, from a musical standpoint, it's an incredible achievement. This
3: exists because of Ableton's session view. Because linearly, yeah. if you're stacking these, this doesn't happen. But when you can press a button that triggers the bass line yeah. from around the world, and then trigger something else. It allows you to play with your music this way.
1: So, that, from, yeah, I mean, from no, an like, artistic really, it's incredible from an artistic standpoint, do, do is, does this mean that from the last fifteen years they sat on the masters of each specific sound they ever created? Did they have a like a separate master of the of the around the world line from fifteen years I ago? Thinking venture, they might have.
3: So, for a lot of these things that they were sequencing on sequencers that took things like 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 my old analog synth has a special memory card that I program presets on and stuff. Yeah. A lot of these were mini discs. I would bet they had the like level, floppy discs. Right. Like the, the old, they weren't floppy discs. They were the generation after they were really thick. Yeah. I bet they had a lot of this stuff on the, there. I the would level, bet they had to recreate something. The of
2: level that. of organization they needed to do the tour in the way they did the first time would require them to have right. the, the, the original save files for lack of a word they would have to recreate or they would have to recreate it and if you know how you know you can you can it's one of those things where if you if you've you know how many shows did they do before 97 or whatever um uh, before 97 yeah uh
1: i don't know i mean a lot
2: i'm just saying if you were in the, the the point rehearsal wise where you could recreate a synth yeah. You know, right. a, a synth sequence every night for a tour at, at, at the level they were touring. Like there's an element of knowing how to recreate your own sounds at that point. And my, it's my, not like, you know, Discovery, I think, is a different question right. of like, I wonder like at what level, you know, you
3: have the you have the way some of these stems, these tracks are balanced in the song and the final mix that might not translate to playing them very loud that might not translate to playing over something i'm very curious about that yeah
1: there's also brand new breaks brand new things like that that you know that are not written in there's there's breaks in robot rock here that are not written into robot rock absolutely not you know there's uh um there's all sorts of reworkings of their their songs that make them Feel fuller and and more lively and, and for a crowd as opposed to you know as opposed to I sitting mean but they like like that
2: mentioned before I mean there's something to be said if you can get all the different parts to different songs together in an Ableton yeah. session view like that I mean that's why when I'm feeling you know I, I when I'm feeling like I can't come up with an idea, just putting a bunch of different ideas in one place and stripping out the different parts and seeing how they work together. I mean, it's hard not to be like, oh, if I could change this a tiny bit, I can make a cool way to make these things go together. And realizing that, like we've said, you know, I said it a ton of times during the Human After All episode, I think the best version of this we get later, you know, as a part of something else over and over and over again in 2007. I think that's what they do because I think that they, they do set out to find... That 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 place where these these you know the, like they said the triangle of albums intersect. They've got
3: they've got these lemur um, touchscreens in there that they're using to manipulate it, and they've got the Behringer controller. I think that Behringer controller is just a box of knobs. Yes. It's fundamentally what Ableton will put out as yeah. its own proprietary thing in the push. Right, right. You've right. got the buttons, that's the touchscreen for triggering yeah. clips, and then and you've got the, the knobs. Yeah, and, and the um, idea and of Nick like, told
1: us that he, he had to he had to have Tom, Tomas explain to him what that black yeah, that screen camera, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. in 2007, the idea of a touchscreen yeah. was like... What, you, what I mean, do you mean you can touch that? You
2: know, we're, we're we're sitting here in the studio, right? We have the the push right here, right? Those knobs at the top. I press a map button and I map it to right. whatever knob I want on the screen. Same with this, this little this little controller right here these knobs i can map them anywhere yeah. that rotary control it's just it I, you know yeah. I, it's just a You're bunch of parameters. knobs and you go in and you map it to whatever thing you want it to control within the program yeah. and so they have a bunch of those it's just countless numbers of freaking knobs the that feet, they can then the control that makes this incredible is that they have
3: a, a mobile thing of computers set up to do it because that is a studio process and they're doing yeah. it on stage. That's really yeah, like technology wise is incredible
1: at this at 2007 specifically. Yeah, is incredible. Is, I mean, and again, is it's astronomically like ahead of its time. It's difficult with, you know, astronomically to, ahead of its time
2: to, to people who are used to computers that do everything in, in a snap of a fingers. And, you know, user interfaces today are made, you know they're made for ease of use and stuff the stuff that they're using in this was not made to be used this way at that time you know so again it's another question of like the hindsight kind of weakens everything a little bit if you don't put it in the context of when they were doing it which is crazy like i would never have the need for a behringer rotary thing In that setting ever, because I can just literally press a button that 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 takes my eight knobs I have right here. And, you know, I
1: press one button. It's one thing. I press another button. It's a whole nother things or whatever. So with a technical understanding of the pyramids innards, they had to start working on the outside, too. A guy named Martin Phillips uh, uh, brought his team from Live Design in to help with the lighting rig. Uh, at the time, Daft Punk was buying huge swaths of LED panels, like we had heard, because they had a, they had a clear vision of what they wanted it to be. Um, so uh, this Martin Phillips guy has said, like, they they knew what they wanted. We just helped them facilitate it. Um, uh, As we learned from the human, after all episode, the original idea from the pyramid spawned from the Technologic music video. Guy Gimon guy, had looked at the little weird robot in the pyramid and said... Uh, wouldn't it be funny if we were in a bigger beer room? It's that's Still, great. one of my that's favorites. One of, that's one of the,
3: the times during this thing that I've really yeah. related to them. i are like, yeah, that's my kind of energy. Uh,
1: the, I think the the more we get into this, the more I get, Kimon on, yeah. a, wa- on a like on a wavelength. He's really funny. Tomas Tomas is thinking about things in ways that I don't know that my brain can process. Guiman is just like, we should be in a bigger pyramid. It, like, uh, <laughs> like when somebody's like, when somebody asks them, like, you know, you have robot heads. What else would you like robot? And, and, and Tomas like, what if I had hands that could do that? And Guiman's like, what if I had two robot dicks? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: That's, that's,
1: that's very funny because <laughs> when you guys say that, I connect with the stuff Tomas
2: says and you guys connect with the stuff Kimon <laughs> yeah. says, which sums up us as a beauty like very, very well. <laughs> that's probably true. It's, it, it's, it's funny. I'm,
1: I'm definitely more talkative in in – Extroverted yeah. than than Gimon, but when he speaks up, I get right. it. <laughs>
3: no, we should be. It'd be funny if we were in a bigger pyramid. <laughs>
1: it would be what that guy, that little robot was in a tiny
3: pyramid.
2: What's, what if it we were in a big pyramid? What sums it up probably is Tomas probably said. To one music video, what if we took that music video and made it a 94 minute uh, avant garde film? <laughs> yeah. And Gimon took this music video and said, What if we were in a big pyramid? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that, that's really, yeah, that kind of distillates these yeah. two yeah,
3: so. dudes.
1: Um, and you know
3: what? The pyramids on the shirt, the 94 <laughs> minutes of desert walking
1: is, is not high. on the t shirt. <laughs> <laughs> pyramids on the shirt, Gimon.
3: You can't, you can't make a Two guys walking in the desert yeah. with your hands, and, you know? Yeah.
1: So this next bit is from the Live Design website. There's a bu- yeah. there's a bunch of websites of, of LED companies and lighting design companies that have worked on this that really like to let people know that they worked on this, which yeah. was nice because I, I got a bunch of interesting info. So this is Live Design, the pyramid-shaped shape set. Was 16 feet wide across at the bottom and is constructed from over 1,600 Barco O Light LED blocks, which yeah. is a- a astronomical for 2007. Yeah, um, they've all been pixel pixel mapped to create three dimensional video screen surfaces. Uh, moving images and video effects are played on t- on the bottom. Two-thirds front fascia uh, of the pyramid and a small section on the top of, above the band's platform. Flanking both sides of the main pyramid are customized frames holding 18 by 18-foot 18 geometric networks of crisscrossing hexagonical shapes made up of a total of 170 VersaTube linear LED fixtures from Elemental Labs. Cool. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of shit fucking happening here. Behind the pyramid and the VersaTubes, effectively wrapping the whole stage set, is a special 75-millimeter resolution LED pixel curtain measuring 48 feet wide and 16 feet high. This is a bespoke creation made from Elemental Lab components and results from a joint project between supplier and... Uh, the supplier and Daft Arts the band's own production company which I didn't understand that before that's a curtain yeah. that's not a screen it's uh it's like yeah. and and now that I look at like closer pictures of it you can see that it's like strands of LED bulbs yeah. that are that's
3: uh, that, not that different than how they still do stuff yeah, like that right. if you if it's you go just, see someone at, at yeah. you know yeah i mean but
2: essentially so so it's very a cool. little bit because uh, I, I have a little bit of experience in the lighting side of things, not necessarily in the tech side of things, but but essentially the, the difference from LEDs then to now is is the size that can change color, if you know what right. I'm saying. So so back then, I would imagine at that point, each one of those blocks has the capacity to be whatever color you want by combination of the three led colors in it nowadays a single tiny led bulb
1: has all of the different colors you need to make that's why i
3: can buy an led strip for eight dollars yes that's wi-fi enabled that does whatever yes
1: i'm curious because for most of the show it's basic geometric patterns on the pyramid yes during the During the Encore, it's like faces and actual pictures. But what you need to realize
2: with that is that's what your LED TV screen's doing. It's just at a resolution where the LEDs are so small, you don't realize that. If you zoom in really close, it is a couple colored boxes and, yeah. and in, in, in the tiniest little pixel, there is the opportunity for each one of those colors to be whatever, red, green or, or blue I'm or whatever combination. I'm so so my remember. point is it's the same thing with, with stadium screens, right? Stadium yeah, yeah. screens. When you get super close to them, you know, they're just, it doesn't make any sense. I, I sold, it's just the resolution is
1: insanely high. nowadays. I sold LED. I sold flat screen TVs as a job in high school in like 2005 and 2006. Yes. And I had, which again is a, just a very wild
3: job for a high school.
1: Yeah, I, <laughs> my, everyone else I worked with was in their forties, and then there was like a little dirtbag sixteen year old uh, with like two baggy of khaki pants. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. uh, um, and they let me sell uh, TVs to like to folks, but like I was there. In you would have been t- a great bit character in like the forty year old version. Yeah. That well, that's setting. the. the pro- I was in two thousand six. I was uh, a high school kid named Andy. Selling TVs at Circuit City, and that movie came out, and his name was Andy oh, in the movie, I didn't and it was that. miserable because oh, I couldn't get away, away from the it. Joker. Uh, yeah. Origin story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Forty uh, 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 year old virgin is the Joker to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, to Andy, the Joker's actually Andy, a forty year old virgin. To Andy, the forty year old virgin is actually Joker. <laughs> to Andy, the Joker's a virgin. So it was that. That was that was a negative. That movie negatively impacted my life. Yeah, no, but, I get it. But like, I was there. When Circuit City got its first shipment of Blu-ray players, yes, and a Blu-ray player was a thousand dollars, yeah. Um, um, to think that the the resolution that they got on this pyramid, on the scale that they got it at this time, when when uh it was inconceivable. I think the largest TV we had at that point was forty. The largest TV was forty-five inches.
3: It was a rear like the no largest I,
1: we the largest like we had at that point. We could get you could get a bigger rear um, projection. Uh, no, we had no, phased think, those pl- out by then. I think okay. heavy plasma plasmas Plasma oh, yeah, yeah. plasma was the yeah. more the more easily accessible. We were just getting LED at that point, and LED was nowhere near forty-five. And I think the biggest LED TV that they had high def was like maybe thirty-six. I
3: read that um, Shuji Nakamura invented the blue LED in 1993 so yeah. the ability to have an led that produced a blue light was only 13 years old at this point
1: that's wild he
3: won the nobel prize for physics in 2014 for it It a all- it like allowed for the development of the white led which is where yeah. all our energy efficient bulbs are the idea that 13 years prior to this they couldn't produce couldn't even blue. blue yeah and then in
1: 2006 this is the show yeah. that's yeah. very nuts it's interesting there's not that's interesting uh there's not a ton of blue in the show. So yeah. Lots of greens and reds. There's purple. And they they have like the you earth. need blue st- to do yeah. some of the yeah. stuff they do. Yeah. But that's wild. Uh, um, I do. I never had really thought about like when Tomas said like the idea of the show was going for this stark monochrome and, and right. slowly adding the colors uh, to the end is like all rainbow. The I,
3: green I like, is the one of the funnest parts yeah, of the show. Yeah, the geometric greens. I wish that I had been more interested in festival acts at this time because in 2006 where my brain was it was like there is no music going on that's important unless it's at a right shitty warehouse or at a vfw hall yeah
1: i was doing a lot of i was doing a lot of like grungy emo shit before yeah. like but uh i went to the first the first one-off lollapalooza in 2005 and that is where i got all the big acts out of like She's i been i doing i've only been i've only been to a, like a handful of arena shows in my life i think i've been to radiohead twice in an arena and this is an arena show yeah that's what i that's the
3: other part yeah. of this what what we, we talk about the coachella show we
1: i got all of these big huge acts out of my way and out of my system going to you know, at going to festivals, I saw Radiohead, I saw right. Muse, I saw Kanye, Rage Against the Machine, Daft Punk, Foo Fighters, that kind of thing. Yeah. I would, I when I was seventeen or whatever, I would never, ever in my life spend eighty dollars to go see Foo Fighters at at a arena or whatever. But it was fucking cool to I go spent, see half of their show at, yeah. at Lollapalooza. That that's something
3: I wish I would have done more of because yeah. around this time, like I would have gone, like I saw Radiohead in an arena and stuff. Yeah, I. I can't imagine like this would have been very fun in a field the way you saw it. Yeah. What would this have been like in general admission inside incredible. a incredible? Yeah, absolutely. Because like that's the containment of yeah. like, not a night. Totally. But what would that have been like? Yeah,
1: totally. They play a lot of like outdoor arenas too. Like uh, most of the tours outdoor. Yeah.
3: Um, But I was looking through the venue list and clicking on them and some of them were more. Yeah. A little I more looked contained. up the
1: one, the one that the lo- the, album is filmed at. yeah it's an outdoor arena in paris that looks fucking awesome
3: can you imagine the red rock show for this
1: yeah i know what would it would have been like to red rocks would red be rocks. incredible red rocks would be we got, absolutely we should incredible. get tickets to something at red rocks so. i the only time i was ever in denver uh i looked it up i was like like we're here like Let's go see a show at Red Rocks. Like we should yeah. see Red Rocks. The only show that was in town while we were there was ICP. Uh, we that would have like, been, nah. yeah, <laughs> <would've> been fun. Yeah, that would have been fun. Shout
3: out, uh, shout out to my friend Ethan, who has been listening to the show and is a big fan of dance music and loves all this stuff. He uh, bought tickets for something at Red Rocks this summer, and oh, yeah. I'm I'm so jealous. That would be a really fun venue to yeah. go see something at. Yeah,
2: I'm all about it.
1: Uh, more from live design the video content is stored on and played back via two dual output v4 catalyst digital media servers and uh with two running as hot backup they are triggered by philips's hog ipc lighting console in turn receiving smpt from the band do you know what smpte is i
2: i it's I do not know specifically so, um, what it is. So catalyst,
1: I'm, yeah, catalyst is like a is a. I'm video pretty sure that just processing. means that there's a trigger,
2: oh there's a trigger mechanism in the audio. You know, in the yeah. same way he that said
3: triggered by a hog somewhere in that song. Yeah,
1: yes. he's triggered by a hog IPC lighting console. Yeah, triggered by a hog.
3: So <laughs> I,
1: I know that triggered by a hog, but write that down as a as a track uh, a list. Absolutely, we got to name a track at some point. Triggered by a hog. There's trigger got a we got to we got to produce a track called Absolutely. Triggered by a hog. That's a good Piece of um,
2: <laughs> I think that like essentially I think that what that yeah. means is that while there is a server happening, it's a signal coming from yeah. the, the, you know, the My cues under- that we've talked about. Gotcha. It's a, a signal. You know, I know I, I was looking into some Ableton um, like designing stuff as it is currently, and a lot of it is plugins that convert Ableton's language to you okay. know, uh, you know a you know we would use a, at our level like a, a DMX language for our lighting or whatever. Yeah. But DMX has like whatever 512 yeah. channels or something, so and they need something with much many more channels uh, for the thousands and thousands of individual SM-PTE things.
3: PTE is um, the time codes from Society of Motion Picture and Television Engineers, <laughs> so it's the yeah. time codes that you put. To sync audio video, okay. it's like the metadata. So they're getting they're game. getting
1: time codes from the band live yes. to man that is like so the, the time like, codes are built say, into those pivotal yeah, cues that we yeah, referenced exactly. earlier. There's a That's, lot going
2: on in this show. Honestly, it is it is again I, we 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 do butter them up a lot, but it is really cool to see There's how of- they developed these ideas. That again, with 2021 hindsight, are a little they're lacking of the context that this yeah. is all new stuff. I
3: saw Roger Waters um, from Pink Floyd play yeah. dark side of the moon front to back this year, right? 2006. Yeah. It was an incredible, gigantic, expensive tour. And he was doing some incredible stuff with video in the background, playing videos. Um, and it was a great light show, but it was not, you do not have the same thing as like every second can trigger a new right. visual. That's yeah. a, that's a different animal I mean, I agree. playing a video. I,
2: I remember going to, um, you know, Pink Floyd laser light show at at DTE or whatever around here. And that was always, it was a cool thing, but it was clearly like they they pressed play. You know what right. I mean. Yeah. They pressed play on that, and it w- was a. It was yeah. Well, that, a, a yeah the laser spectacle. light
1: show thing is a completely different idea. Yeah, like, I mean, I'm yeah. just saying. But
2: that idea yeah. of 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 finding a living, breathing right. version that balances the spectacle with the performance is is is, is again, it's the unique little right. nexus that they found
1: here. Um, so the set was originally conceived for a one-time performance uh, at the Coachella Valley Music Festival. Again, this is you know this is a different. Source, this is the, yep. the people that designed the lights are saying that this is a one off thing. Right. <laughs> like, all right, uh, um, where it was such a success that they decided to tour the show, stopping design involving four separate but linked layers of video. So, Phil Mercer of the company XL Video UK was a project manager for the tour. After the Coachella performance, Martin Phillips, who helped develop the visual aesthetics of the show in conjunction with Daft Arts and, and LA Films Effect producer Baptiste Andreau. Suggested there needed to be a dedicated video partner on the tour with a comprehensive backup and technical support to ensure the video elements were all covered. Mercer said the challenge is ensuring that the intricate design, which was not initially built to tour, is replicated successfully every time, particularly with back-to-back shows and the light turn- or tight turnarounds between acts on the busy festival circuit. So this week I um, came across – for the first time ever, I found video of them setting up yeah. the yeah. – uh, pyramid
3: that came out yeah this week
1: it's a it's it was a clip from an unproduced documentary about some summer festival and they so they were they were doing a documentary about the festival Daft Punk happened to be there they filmed a segment of them setting up the helmets is or, or the the pyramid and stuff it's funny cuz there's uh, clips of like kids from the festival. Like I saw Daft Punk. I saw Daft Punk. One of them was like a bigger guy with a yellow hat. They were talking about Cedric, like <laughs> the, yeah. the Daft Arts guy. <laughs> yeah. They thought they thought they saw Tomas. They didn't. Yeah. So that like that was cute. But then the the um the visuals of you know this horde of Teamsters that were on the road with these two guys in a pyramid, like light, uh, um setting up this whole. thing thing is it was really crazy there's a lot that goes into setting this thing up
2: i that the idea
1: of building
2: something for a one night thing and then retroactively being like no we're going to tour this is from me somebody who's been involved in small-scale technical (laughs) production a bunch of times yeah but like i'm just saying like the idea at the level that i've produced stuff and i've run tech for stuff the idea of somebody saying no we're going to tour this make this tourable after designing it for a one-time thing
1: is a nightmare in my brain. I, mean, I can't imagine. That's also
3: the reason it's two thousand six, two thousand seven. I yeah. imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. So we'll yes. get we'll
1: get to the breakdown of, of show dates and whatever. Uh, um, so Catalyst is the pro the video program they were running. Like like in late in extremely late terms in my brain, Catalyst is like the Ableton of the video portions. They're like layering shit on. They're layering sure. all these layers of video types in this program called Catalyst. It runs. Uh, it's running in the pyramid. It has 10 layers available, of which Phillips was using five, le- leaving three additional layers onto which he can program the additional buskable content. This is used if, if they divert from the standard show at all. So they, they were talking so much about the specificity and precision of getting from one cue to the next, but Phillips, who was in the booth or whatever, running the video content, had layers of the video content that he could use in case that they got off script in any way whatsoever. So he had, he had backup plans. If he needed to change the cues or whatever, he could do it live. Uh, which is pretty interesting. Uh, he has uh, clips ready at his fingertips so he can bump, flash, and tweak between the standard and the improvisational content of those additional layers. So they're in the headset talking to him. He's He has some wiggle room as well if he needs to extend or shorten any specific of the visual stuff. He can do that too. So it like we're talking about how strict it is and how precise it is. The video stuff also had some wiggle room built into it's, it.
2: I I just want to keep echoing this thought I keep having that the missing piece to this for me was the comparison to a musical. Yeah, because this everything we're talking about, it, it's you know you know being being around for for productions and and in you know it feels like that you know it feels like and it feels like they're at this interesting thing where they're the lead actor and also the, the director and stage manager at the same time is what it kind of sounds like, which is kind of, yeah. I mean, I don't know how much they're doing and how much is, you know what I mean? Like how much. So is, they,
1: they have some, some very um, surface ability to control light cues. Yeah. But Phillips is, is the one that's running the, the light, the, the video. Part portion of it, but they have they have some agency in the pyramid to do some light stuff, but they're mainly But my point is,
2: you know, the the idea of they hit the um, the one more time button and button and and that triggers SDMP code that gets the, the, the all the colorful rainbows all or, you know, that that idea. Yeah, like that. That's still it's still them you know, in, in, in musical theater production side of things, how that would work is there would be a stage manager and a booth operator. And then the stage manager would say, prep Q23, (laughs) execute Q23, go, you know, that's how it would happen. And that, like, that level of precision is achieved here. And I'm wondering, like, that's a very cool way to look at, at, at that, you know, like, like are they in the helmets saying, Hey, Change transition to Q7. I don't know. There's where, the, you know like like that's the interesting thing we'll probably never know. I but would. That's kind of cool to think about.
1: That, so, um, uh, not that long ago, just just a, a month or two before they broke up. Or wait, no, the Lollapalooza one came out in response to them breaking up, right? Uh, the, the, the the no,
2: because we we watched that's right. that the Saturday before that's right. the Monday. So announcement. a couple a little yeah, but, bit but, a
1: little bit before the the breakup, somebody released a full uh professionally shot yes. video of the Lollapalooza show specifically, yeah. the one I was lucky enough to see. Right. Um at the very beginning of that, you can hear them talking on the headsets and they're talking about some specs and you can hear Tomas be like, ready Guiman? And like and then and they talk in French and there's like he's like ready Tomas and they're like like I would and then they I don't... would pay money to have just that feed for yeah, the whole show and just hear like I would love that. I agree. That I, would I, be I don't incredible. Think, well, I don't think we'll ever get that. No, but If something like no. that
2: ever surfaced, that would be like a a tech junkie's dream for yeah. something like this. You know, I, would I would love to hear. I, that. I, I agree. That's something I'm I'm totally. I bet they don't. I bet
3: in. they did not talk to each other too much during the show.
2: I, I, you, I mean, I, I would imagine that at this level, you know, as being somebody who's worked on much tinier productions, there's not a really a moment if you're running the tech and you're yeah. having that to, to, to do that talking, it's all business at I, that point.
3: Uh, my, fr- my, my very good friend from college, um, started doing video projection stuff in the dorms. He's yeah. going for film and now he does that for an incredibly cool company. Um, he tours with like Fantagram and MGMT and brand new and, he does video which is i mean the projection stuff is its own touring position now i saw did he its do what computer? year when
2: did he do brand new? i saw brand new in 2018 and yes, i remember that was thinking specifically their projections rock i he let me come in the booth for that that show <laughs> you th- tell him he coming anywhere <laughs> <laughs> tell him tell him that i said good I'll, job I'll because Austin i remember about, uh, because I, I drove I drove to to, to Pittsburgh on a whim yeah. uh, to see brand new because the, I I wasn't able to see the Detroit oh, show and oh, I was wow. like that's oh, only it's only seven hours to Pittsburgh from here? I'm gonna go see brand new why not and I did and I remember thinking specifically what an awesome visual show there's a there's a picture of me
3: in the dorm and I'm sitting like on the floor of of the room and Austin had bought this little thing that shoots like projections at the wall mm-hmm. it's just projecting some light on my face and it looks like I'm eating the light <laughs> <laughs> and I just posted on Instagram, and it was very surreal that, like, four years later, yeah. he was doing that. That's awesome. And for 3,000 people. Yeah. But uh, I've been in the booth with him a couple of times when we've done these shows. And watching someone operate the computers that do that even now yeah. is, inc- like, how, how much yeah. it is
2: its own performance. Yeah, we So we watched...
3: So um, they, they
1: needed this guy, Martin Phillips, in there yeah. doing that for them in, in, in a way that... You know, I I don't now know. That's a
3: job on a tour. I, yeah, that I don't was know. One of the first. I, I don't know anything
1: know. about this guy other than he works for Live Design and he hopped in to to help run shit for yeah. them. I, like, but yeah, like he was on the cutting edge of this stuff. These companies that helped them out were on the cutting edge of this stuff. And like Nick Stevenson of MixMag told us, there were ten people that that yeah. needed to be in some operational capacity involved to make this show happen. I, I, um, I, 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 so like. There's there's an enormous technological achievement happening to bring this insane show to yeah. people on a nightly basis. And
2: honestly, I think that's one of the things that really comes through and makes this show feel as alive as it feels. Really, alive it's, it's two thousand seven well, as it but, feels. But I think that the 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 wiggle room that they have to play with, I think, is where it really comes alive. Yeah. You know, you know, there there is precision, but it feels like human precision, not mechanical precision, which is, I think that's one of the things yeah. that in talking about it, I'm really realizing why I, I truly love this performance in this album. Cause it isn't a mechanical precision that, that is, you know, press play and walk away. It is a human precision that feels alive and, this- and flowing in a different way than, than any other live performance I've seen outside of, you know, small theatrical yeah. events.
3: This is one of the only ways they can do human precision live, right? Because with Ram, the reason we hire all these session musicians, when they talk about, they're like, you know, we're not that level of precise in terms of playing drums or playing bass. The precision that they offer is what they can do. Like, yes. Like digitally with this stuff. It's the reason they're incredible DJs. Yeah. It's, it's really cool when they, you get a chance to see that. And they
1: are, they are, they are fundamentally musicians in the background. Like they are yeah. studio people. Yeah. They live in the studio and they they live in these mo these moments of sound for months on end yeah. to produce the perfect thing. You know, they yeah. like that's how yeah. that's how that's where their be- their genius and perfection lie is in like Intention. letting, them, it's in, it's in letting a, them tinker on – like like I think that it, is not an instrument. Right. That, that's not an instrument in the functional way that people think about instruments. For them to sit here and buzz and break machines and fuck with things and plug things into where they're not supposed to be plugged to until they come up with this thing that nobody else could have ever come up with, they they live in a different operational music environment than then like we are prepared to or like or like accustomed to seeing especially uh, around this time so like how do you translate that onto a stage this way, like, this yeah. is genius, and I
2: think that, like, you know, th-
1: this what, is a genius is, way to present what is this stuff. The
2: difference between, you know, this, 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 what do people want do the people The difference like, between, you know, when n- they
1: want, like, they, like, they, they, they fucked up all this, all these old songs and warped things into this new, beautiful thing, uh, over years of work on it. H- what do you mean you want them to play it live? They never played it live to begin with, yeah, and I think yeah. that, like, that's you know? the question of,
2: of, like, how do you get that feel, the Alive 97. Feel that is so Daft Punk, in 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 and and do what you just said and play it live yeah. for us. Do that for me. Yeah, <laughs> give they, me they, that live. Never... And I think the answer is, and you know, you know, I, I think I'm going to return to the word intentionality because I can sit around with a bunch of computers and knobs and make some really cool sounds. You know, I can I can do that. You can do that. Yeah. The idea of of of, you know. I I don't I I think that the intentionality of of, of realizing that it is the art is the whole thing. Yeah, You know, they're, yes. not, they're not going up there to be a band. The art is this, this giant scope thing, the moving parts, the different people, the wiggle room, the fundamentally making it about the, the, all the operators yeah. operating the different things, the and, idea, and then like, also the this, idea that the audience is a part yeah. of it, not, not experiencing yeah. it. The other part, so, um,
3: Sim, when Simeon Mobile Disco did Whirl, yeah. they built the rig, that didn't have any computers
2: mm-hmm.
3: and they took it out and they recorded it on that rig and then they took that rig on the road it's one thing the album and the rig right yes. daft punk with human after all couple synthesizers this bass synth some some intentionally bases, less, right l- intentionally there is a less version stuff than they this yeah where they could have took that rig on the road right yeah. that's a small enough rig that they could have brought it with them they could have done a human after all tour where they performed these tracks yeah you know, they would have needed like another two session musician, maybe, but they could have performed that album live. Yeah, and I'm so glad that they chose yeah, to absolutely. do this this spectacle. Again, yeah, we're not yeah, we're play, not like, here doodle
1: around on machines for a little while or revolutionize the well, way yeah, that electronic not, music is presented. The answer is, that's we, the, I mean, that's the that's their choice. Yeah. We're not here
2: today if they make the other decision. That's yeah, probably true. Yeah, absolutely.
3: Because so they all, really could have played that whole album yeah. live.
2: And it would have been a show that people liked or hated, and it was just another cool. It was cool to see Daft Punk yeah. at this show. But, you know, again, it doesn't open the door to what they will become after this and it doesn't change. You know, again, do we have EDM as EDM no. if this doesn't right. happen? I don't know.
1: No, no, there is not. No, I think eventually, not without something else yeah, happening at this level by somebody else or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, eventually this, the it was bubbling up like, you know, we, we talked at the beginning of the show and the these. Noises that were bubbling up, like there was an explosion of this music happening, and something was but, going to like, influence it. Yeah, and there was—I'm sure—at some point there was going to be a big room main stage element of dance music happening. This just this fucking fast tracked it, and this showed everybody how to, this this is the blueprint. I mean, and there's an argument that, to uh, make. That that, this so, is... Deadmau5, Skrillex, Tiesto, Calvin Harris uh uh who like what are they, like who, chain smokers even like sure. all these even you know like the marshmallows uh, of marshmallow, the world, you know like yeah i mean like, uh um chemical brothers completely changed the way they played live after this yeah. uh um uh, all of these enormous avici's live show yeah all of that stuff all of this enormous spectacle thing yeah. if you're out there and you went to ultra anytime after 2007 it, what you saw to close out the night happened. If you've been to yeah. like electric daisy I mean, carnival is like if you what what you saw to close out the night happened because these guys showed everybody how to make it happen. There's
2: an argument to be made that okay, so whether or not you I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here. There's an argument to be made that Okay, maybe you don't consider homework genre-defining. Okay, maybe you don't. That's, that's fine. They, maybe they contributed in a movement and they were part of it. But maybe it's not genre defining. But I would make the argument that Daft Punk in with with Discovery is a genre-defining moment. Yeah. I would make the argument again that Alive 2007 I, is a further a, a new genre-defining moment. And then you could make the argument – I would make the argument that Ram is genre-defining yeah. as well. I would,
1: would honestly – like I would say that – that saying discovery's genre defining is underselling. It's important. I that, No, yeah. I agree
2: completely. But my <laughs> yeah. point is I, I'm saying appreciating the word genre. I'm not yeah. throwing that around loosely right here. Industry which is why defining. I would which is why I wouldn't give it defining. to homework in this moment. Yeah. Because I think homework, while they are the 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 core of that movement in in my eyes, you know, they're still part of a movement where I feel as Discovery is is defining something new. Yeah. Whereas I feel like Alive two thousand seven is defining something new, and I would make the argument that Ram defines something yeah. new as well. Um. So so again, if you want to make the argument like you made, this is what cements this them in yeah. their legacy because you 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 know not often do you get multiple <laughs> moments of industry yeah. defining yes. things from a group well, this and is, this is a second yeah. one and I, I would argue to be followed
1: by a third one later yeah this uh, well this this is uh um yes i think this is the, the most influential of all of their all of the moves that they made that ended up having these large ripple effects throughout yeah. the music industry at large this is the biggest ripple. This is the this is the you know this is the asteroid. Yeah. I mean, this isn't the ripple. This yeah. is the yeah.
2: the the thing that you
1: know. All told, Daft Punk lugged fifteen tons of equipment with them from show to show: computers, processors, cutting-edge technology that had been modified for specific use from the band, a new remote control system that allowed them to control machinery that couldn't fit in the pyramid, a prototype of Ableton, that um. Would become an industry standard for live electronic performances, a light, a level of lighting and LED technology that completely changed the way dance music was presented. Uh, Tomas said, what we are doing today is was unimaginable 10 years ago. That's where it became interesting for not for us. It's a new step. There's a lot of troubleshooting and tech and making custom computers. We work with Ableton Live, which is really at the core of the performance right now. We have the music and the light synced up. It really makes the robots and the personas come to life with this universe we've worked hard on uh, to um, complete in the last 12 years. Uh, even there outfits were uh an incredible ordeal so after the coachella performance uh after the response and the thousands of clips pop- popping up on youtube that led to an insatiable demand for more shows it was clear that tomas and Gimon had to do this world tour they expanded the show at that point they added elements including the renditions of burnin and phoenix that we hear now on there those weren't in the coachella performance and the encore no encore at Coachella. Oh wow! Uh, encore is totally new. Uh, and uh, when they built the encore, they had this wild idea that they would uh, they would illuminate as brightly as the as the rest of the, their Technicolor show. So that's where uh, Enlightened Janet Hansen's company comes in. Uh, and this is from them. We installed several hundred feet of LED wire. Uh, On each leather jacket following the seam lines and key styling details the daft punk logo on the back of the jacket originally written with metal studs was recreated with about 300 red LEDs for the lighting uh, the lighted helmets we attached uh, uh, LED wire to the matte black replicas. Um, The set was similar to their groundbreaking show at the 2006 uh, Coachella with various lighting components being revealed gradually in order of increasing complexity. When they decided to add the encore for the 2007 tour, the band came up with the idea of lighting themselves up as well. The suits remain dark until about halfway through the 10 minute encore when a pulsing red light winds its way through the stage lighting like hot lava through a pipe at the climax of this dramatic sequence, right? When, uh, Together hits in, Ba-da-ba-da. so the, that piping comes in and right, right at they fucking they fucking light up yep. red and everybody goes nuts. They have to. uh They have to go nuts. The light bursts upward and the costumes are illuminated, leaving the audience wondering if they had uh, if they have arrived from another dimension or if the image is some kind of holographic projection. It would have been nuts if they blew up. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they just like at the end of the
1: encore. <laughs> The whole thing exploded. <laughs> that would be... Yeah, now we're talking... Like a Birdman situation. Yeah.
3: <laughs> if they bird manned themselves. I'm glad for their families and kids that they didn't. But it would have been incredible if they're like, we're going to break up. We're going to Birdman We can't themselves. tell anyone, but we're going to explode the pyramid. We're going
1: to explode the pyramid. Yeah. Um. The next Pyramid show after Coachella was two months later in their native France. They tootled around Europe and played two shows in Japan for the rest of the summer before adding some South American dates in the fall. All told, Daft Punk played 16 shows on four different continents in 2006. But that was just the beginning. Those shows have been retroactively called The Live 2006, but they didn't carry that title when they were played at their final show uh, in 2006 in Miami, the one that Caesar went to. Yep. Um, they announced that they were done for the year, but would be back soon. Alive 2007 uh, was officially announced shortly thereafter. From June June 10th 2007 to the end of the year, Daft Punk pl- played 31 shows on the Alive 2007 tour. All told, between 500,000 and 650,000 people saw the show, including normal uh, notable performances headlining the ATT stage at Lollapalooza on August 3rd 2007. The yeah. one. Uh, you know, notably Andy Reid attended. <laughs> notably. Uh, live 2021 host Andy Reid attended that show. My
3: The most exciting days of my life are still ahead of me. No, mine aren't. You're, that's <laughs> it. That's it.
1: That's the most exciting day of my <laughs> life. And if my wife has somehow made it two and a half hours into this <laughs> podcast, I apologize. Your yes. Wife, has <laughs> not made it forty <laughs> minutes into any of this podcast. Your wife has not made it two and a
2: half hours into the series. <laughs> my my wife,
1: my wife is incredibly supportive of the, the things I choose to do, but we we know where we stand on uh, on her listening to this. You and both it's performed not too much to do each yeah. other,
3: to <laughs> listen to each other. I
1: I love my wife deeply. She's not interested in this music whatsoever, and I get it. I, that's okay. You don't have to like dance music if you don't want to but if you're two and a half hours into a Daft Punk podcast then you're my kind of people <laughs> out there you're all my best friends you're all my best friends out there I, mean, I really mean that uh, uh, also uh, um, they played the Bercy Arena in Paris on June 14th uh, that show would be recorded and released as a live 2007 uh, the that album uh, that's helped the show live on forever yeah. I didn't realize how early in the fucking tour that was yeah so they their first Alive live 2007 show June tenth, the recorded version that we all know and love. June (laughs) fourteenth. Wow. Uh. Uh. Yeah. I mean, interesting. I
3: it feels like you always record towards the end, but maybe it's like it's hot. Let's do it. It's there. I don't know, man. So they.
1: So clearly, the 2007 version of the show is different. They have the encore. They have everything than the 2006 version. But again, we've talked about how precise it is. I don't know that that the show is going to get any good, better, or tighter right once they have it down
2: i I am so coming from uh, again a much smaller production standpoint I am always of the belief of recording not opening night, but a show on opening weekend. Always, 100%. Because you get that excitement and that newness uh, and, and the genuine, it, but you lose the opening night kind yeah. of nervousness. And they and – they, So they, I, I understand recording the second – is the second one or the third it's one? Home second one? It's home turf. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's home turf. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and, then, and then it's done. It's good. If there's a mistake, you have more, you know? The album, that's the idea, but but often you don't. I mean, but I am 100% on board with uh, understanding that decision.
1: Very weirdly, like the album came out before the tour was done – But like not much before there was like a month left yeah that's crazy yeah i didn't know that yeah the album came out november 19th there was shows up until december 22nd but it's not like that would have helped the tour at all so
3: i was not paying attention to the live show like i said i was not doing festival stuff i knew about the album because pitchfork gave it such a good review that that was how i heard about it
1: um so uh, this is tomas talking about the recording it's a blend of the sound from the mixer and the atmosphere of the room Daft Punk Alive 97, our first album, our live album was 45 minutes long. It was much more fragmented. Alive 2007 on the deluxe edition recounts the entire show with a photo book. Uh, We wanted to leave a trace of an important moment while keeping it pure. The video was filmed in New York. The album is a way to capture the essence of a year and a half long tour. Yeah, the so, video, so,
3: right? Are, are we talking about the music video? Uh, no,
1: so we're talking. So video, <laughs> the video. Early in the tour, the robots had promised a professional grade DVD. Oh, 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 oh! <laughs> this was this was something they talked about. Gotcha. Many times, <laughs> there's just lots of interviews where they're talking about uh, how you're going to be able to experience this thing from home uh um uh, and they were going to release it in conjunction with the album. Uh they actually they talked about it quite a bit. As time went on though, the album was released November 19th uh 2007 and they stopped talking about plans for a DVD. Word. Uh the tour which had benefited from the virality of fan posted clips on YouTube had found a life of its own on the internet. Uh, It's weird to say this now, but it's was generally a new thing at the time uh, uh, to have access. Like, like fucking YouTube was a year old. Yeah, Uh, this was and YouTube back then is not. Again, we talk about
2: the. You know, we forget about the less user interface friendly versions of all of our favorite sites. You know, like the the idea of a Facebook pre-video. It, it, you know, pre video in your feed is so foreign to me, but it's, you know, again, that's not that old. Yeah. That's like the last few years, right. Facebook, you know, but like the idea of YouTube as it was originally, it was like this weird, difficult to navigate, unfriendly search kind of blah, blah, blah. So again, like, even then, yeah. the idea of – we're not thinking YouTube with the search bar and the algorithms we know and love that know how to give us exactly what we're looking for. This is a different beast.
1: Yeah, so the tour uh, – um, yeah, uh, because of the outpouring of support from fans and the, uh, and because the legend of the show – had been built on on these online clips. Tomas and Guimon decided to scrap a DVD special and began telling people that fan made clips online served the show in ways a professional shoot never could. Wow! I so, bet
3: they watched the footage and maybe. they were like, "It doesn't capture it. It doesn't get it." They they it's said right. like
1: too- they they said things like, you know, the like the the energy of the show is captured by these uh, these clips. Uh, yeah. And then the the video that came out for the single from the live album. Was a compilation of fan clips from the internet. Yeah. Uh, um. Um. So like that that played. The, I, mean, I guarantee
3: they watch footage of yeah, the show. Yeah. And they're like, there is no way to get the scope because even it.
1: when we watch, it looks flat. Yeah. if You just shoot. I mean, if you shoot it from a bunch of different what angles, I, it's it's, what it's not going to capture yeah, being in a field. I I love that that na- that now you know, fifteen years later or whatever there is a documented video of the show that i saw yeah what really what really saddens me about that lollapalooza footage is about seventy five percent of it is like fan shots.
2: Well the the, the thing yeah. is it's very different from a like a from a videographer or, or even like an archiving purpose What it's do you difficult. shoot?
1: How do you shoot it? That's it's what something I'm saying. completely new. What is it? Well and there's, there's two no guys standing there in a you pyramid.
2: Know, I would make the argument that like okay, one, it's important to realize there's not very much movement from a yeah. wide perspective. A wide shot of like a big musical is cool because of choreography and moving set pieces and stuff like that. We don't have that here. But what 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 this you know, you know, you know what even I like. experiencing like like watching you know, in prep for this episode, we 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 watched a live, you know, we projected it on the we projected it, we watched it. Yeah, and man. I would again, the best parts I have of, of experiencing this concert, what I remember is experiencing it with the group we're with. You right? know, we yeah. provide the movement, we provide the energy, we contribute to it. And I will say the choice to have it a mix of the board and the room was the best decision they could yeah. have ever
1: made because uh it, it again it it shows there's one the guy importance of at that. the at the beginning of the track that's the single around the yeah. world uh uh harder yeah. better faster stronger like right when it starts there's this guy you can hear like in the crowd and he just goes Whoa! yeah and I'm like I love that guy yeah. I hear it every time when we but i then, listen to the album I mean
2: is? it If you, if you look at like, there's that cool visualizer that's out there, right? And the visualizer is cool because it it adds a little bit more motion movement to it. But again, even that it's tough because it it loses. Again, I, I think that the most important factor in the way that they do this show is it's the fact that it is a living thing and that the audience and, and is such a huge part of it. I don't think you can capture this in the way that they were hoping to capture it. I mean, most yeah. live, most live music concert footages, you know, it loses, it loses something because the spectacle of it is the performance is the piece right. on stage. And this whole show is the part that is lost in most live. You know what I mean? Yeah. In most the, live the concert Kraftwerk settings.
3: DVD from 2004. Yeah. Or I think it comes, it's from their 2004 tour. Um, that is one of my favorite concert dvds of all time that captures the energy of the show you but have it's it? uh i would I like do to have see it that. i've never yeah seen we it. should watch that i've never me. seen that I've it's really to watch good that. it captures the energy of the show they shoot it over the course of the tour but that is a show that's built in a different way yeah. than this this thing is like so much about yeah you are you have to sit back and see the whole thing and the like, best concert thing, dvd
1: of all time Gorilla's demon days
3: that is a great concert DVD.
2: I gotta watch that one, but there's, I think that there's a reason why when we're watching electronic music artists our go-to is the boiler room you know our go-to is that because that shows it in the setting that it needs to be in that tight room you see the people you see the ebb and flow you see the people who are contributing the people who are a little abrasive and there's all this stuff going on the spectacle doesn't exist in the boiler boiler room room. right exactly so how do you get the the feeling
1: of that I'm a fucking dweeb for this stuff so I will sit down and watch Watch Chemical Brothers Glastonbury yes. set. On I down. agree.
2: I, I love a Glastonbury set from from anybody. I mean, I'm not against that kind of set yeah. at all. I just think it's it's you know it seems like what they tried to do is capture that energy yeah. at a scale that's right. inconceivable, and then to turn
1: around and try to capture that to learn in how a way. To
3: shoot a festival set yeah. like this, and we've been able to learn how to do it since then. And I bet and they, they didn't couldn't know. Get it right. They
1: didn't know. Like clearly. Yeah the 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 examples that exist professionally of this the Lollapalooza one and the yeah. Vegas one they don't get it right cuz they don't they don't know what they're looking at I yet they don't know what they're looking I at yet i guarantee
3: if daft punk were happy yeah with that they were, we would the have footage, it. we would have it uh,
1: the fifth track from the album uh, the mashup of around the world and harder better faster stronger was released as a single the video of which was an al- amalgamation of fan clips shot on phone cameras to honor this idea that uh, uh that the fan stuff was better than anything they could have put out the single and the album won grammys for best dance recording and best dance electronica album respectively the i mean the whole tour just a massive uh doesn't uh, it
3: win a grammy a weird year though
1: i don't what do you mean
3: like doesn't it win a grammy like way after Does um it, i feel like
1: well the the album came out november 19th 2007 so that they would have won the grammy in 2008 right
3: yeah I think yeah. I think so
1: um because this was at the there's probably like the weird cutoff uh for voting stuff or whatever yeah so it won on December 3rd 2008 yeah so un- one almost the a year almost a more than a full year after the album came out. The album no, won I'm sorry. Grammy, for the best dance album in, in 2009. 2009. Yeah, wow. that's oh. crazy. that has got
3: to just be weird timing. It's yeah. got to
1: be strange timing for sure. That's wild. that's wild. Okay, so the whole thing was an un, un, like unmitigated success, critically, uh, commercially, everything, um, and, it, and it inspired a generation of new uh, musicians to just crazy stuff. He, this is Skrillex. When Daft Punk came to the LA Sports Arena in 2007, um, I went alone actually i didn't have a ticket and i was hopefully i could like scalp a ticket so i I bought some ticket from someone for like 150 dollars just all my money on the ticket and it really did change my life and like rock my world messed me up you know in a good way because it's just like being such a fan of the records and seeing how they you know won the live show with the pyramid and how awesome it looked but how they took all the songs and blended it together and created like new live mashup versions like i've never seen anything like (laughs) Yeah, so um, we can thank Daft Punk for Skrillex, I guess. (laughs) Um, Great.
3: His new single, Fortress, is incredible. Yeah.
1: um, Everyone, we've all heard celebrities and fans talk about how life-changing the show was. uh, But for Tomas and Guiman, the experience was also very inspirational. This is Guiman we had never seen so many phones lit up it was magical from a sensation perspective it was very weird we are both very focused and at the same time just completely supported by this stuff
2: i was just going to i was going to i did a little deeper dive on the grammy situation okay. so the nominations were come out in december okay. and then the
1: the ceremony is in
2: february okay. so it's 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 just timing it, it timing, is totally yeah. timing
1: uh, that's crazy. Uh, uh, this is Tomas talking about um, the influence of the the tour. It's definitely been fun and surprising because we're, we've, we've been doing Daft Punk for – it's going on 15 years next year. So it's uh, been many years in the spotlight. And it's really been a constant evolution and a project that we've taken into this world where things uh, go so fast and change, especially in the world of music where it's always about the next thing. We might not have uh, thought that we would have had so much opportunity to do this for such a long time. So the most validating and surprising and exciting thing is to realize that people seem to be into what we bring them more than ever. And it's definitely surprising because we didn't expect it. This summer, it really felt like we connected with the audiences, where we felt like a lot of people were there at Red Rocks in Denver, in Chicago at Lollapalooza, in New York, and in Berkeley at the Greek Theater, connected with our music and what we're trying to bring musically and visually the whole experience the whole idea is to do something different than a regular concert so like like they they really felt like you know it's nice to hear them talk about how uh how much people's love of it impacted them you know uh i feel like we don't get that all the time yeah uh, at the height of the tour, journalists loved to ask the fellas if it was really them up there every night. Toward the uh, beginning of the tour, Tomas and Guimon took the question in good spirits. But as 2007 went on and the tour continued to grow in popularity and resonance, they kind of started to scoff about it. This, this I, I found this quote really funny. This is Tomas. You know, the people who ask that question don't seem to realize this. When you've got 20,000 or 30,000 people completely scream at you while you're up there – why would we ever want someone else to be in our place? If you were us, wouldn't you want to be would you yeah. want to be anywhere else? Like they they completely captivated tens of thousands of people on every night and like journalists it's were like It's the most gigantic success in the world. Yeah, why it's would like
3: you, are you trying to stay at home?
1: Yeah, why would you Yeah, why would you ever let anybody else do that? They've they they have found a way No, we're we're famously control freaks. Um <laughs> yeah. but i let someone
3: else be Daft Punk every night.
2: Yeah. I mean that the the more the more we dive deeper and deeper into this. You know, you always it's one of those things that my cousin told me, idea, you know. My right. cousin told me Daft Punk's not always in the suits. Like as we continue to look at all this stuff, there is no doubt in my mind that the one, it's always been them except for
1: maybe the one the the one conspiracy the one it's right. not them. No. I I really believe that's them. I, I think yes. it's them too just the because they're so I bad believe, at dancing. The one that I believe? Yeah is the is the Kanye video for Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger. I bet that that's not them. <laughs> I, the video? I, I, yeah. Yeah, I bet that that's not them. Maybe. That's my, I, like, I that's the one that when people
3: say- We know say, that other people can do the suits because we watched Electroma. Yeah, yeah. And, and like,
1: if, if any of them is true, that when people say, like, that's not really them in the suits, the one that's true is that's not them in the Kanye video. <laughs>
3: also, I, for what it's worth, I looked it up. I saw Skrillex in from first to last six months before this with Every Time I Die, wow. Chiodos, and Atreyo. Wow! Oh yeah, where uh, was at that? The at? St- it was at the Fillmore, the oh, State wow. Theater. Wow. Yeah, November two thousand six. I saw. I saw that
2: tour. There's a chance I was there. I don't
3: know. I we, we That's very funny.
2: I, I, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure we. I'm sure we bumped shoulders back Absolutely. then. I'm sure we hated each <laughs> other at inflated. one point in yeah. time.
1: I'm positive. Um. Uh. In the robot thing kind of like so people like is that really you and the robots what if the robot thing tied the whole thing together yeah like to have these two robots lording over this pyramid like that just that made the whole thing
3: if it were two guys it would not be as fun it
1: would not it wouldn't be it just straight up wouldn't be if they got that little pervert from the video Uh, Eskimon put it these two robots are really more just more funky than us he said that to a guy yeah yeah, absolutely they're they're
3: more funky and it's like I mean I know what it looks like when two guys who smoke cigarettes play with synthesizers
1: look what that looks like with the pyramid a, it a fucking rocks even though it was like grueling uh, i found this quote Gimon compared it he said being up there for the whole show it's like formula one but standing up there without water <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like formula one but standing up without water sure because they're in you leather suits they're in leather suits you can't drink you can't hot, do anything yeah they're yeah they can't there's no break to take water breaks they have the helmets on yeah For, you know, um, (laughs) Tomas said, you can't forget that we're in suits and helmets. Uh, It's like we're in spacesuits, allowing us to be immersed in the show and in the concept. Our vision through the helmets is completely modified and reduced. It's the same with the sound. We can't hear what's going on in the room because we have feedback from the music. We're we're only experiencing about 30% of what people might feel. That allows us to concentrate more without focusing on the worked up crowds.
2: You know what? Give me 10,000 bucks. I'll figure out a straw to get you water, dude. Yeah, <laughs> <absolutely>. <laughs> Come they, on. they would have like camelbacks. Yeah, dude, camelback. You can get a camelback. I can figure that out. You got a budget. There weren't camelbacks in 2007. I, yeah, I would have invented one for half the money <laughs> they spent on those helmets. It is
1: impossible to measure the impact of this tour. The entire dance music industry worked overtime the next few years to incorporate the technology and designs that Daft Punk had awakened into the world. Suddenly dance music was a viable headline attraction and everyone from Tiesto to the chemical brothers built elaborate audio visual extravaganzas that revolutionized the way people partied. Uh, the year after Daft Punk's legendary Lollapalooza performance, festival founder Perry Farrell launched Perry's stage. At that point, Two thousand eight, it was a small tent. I went. I remember it. It was there was only you could only get about three hundred people in the tent. That was it. Mm -hmm. Like that's what in two thousand eight, that's what dance music could incorporate at a three hundred thousand person festival. Yeah, Uh, um, that and it was solely dedicated to dance music. In two thousand nine, I saw Dead Mouse play in there. Again, it was like you could get maybe five hundred people in there. He fucking played on a folding table. Yeah. And two years later, 2011, I saw Deadmau5 close out the whole festival, yeah. with the cube. Like, like so, f- 2007 happens, 2009, Deadmau5 is playing on a folding table. 2011, he's got the cube. Like, like so, it's that quick. So I remember four years after the thing, like people have like Deadmau5 has a cube, Skrillex has the spaceship, Chemical Brothers have those those huge. Um, uh, like curtain rings yep. are around them. Um, Tiesto's got his huge thing. Uh, Avicii's got an incredible setup. Like, y- just n- it's, not even—it's crazy. Know, just I, a couple years later, everybody's got their thing, and it's—it's it's fucking I saw happening. Diagnose, I think that's the last. 2011. I, I remember. I remember
2: specifically Bonnar 2010. Right, Boner 2010. There were no like like yes the the silent disco tent was there and that blew my mind the rotating non-stop yeah. headphone party there blew my mind and there was definitely like a dance stage yeah. going on but you know on the, the 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 headliner stage you know it was like it, you know it was like Stevie Wonder it was Kings of Leon it was right. Jay-Z it was like Nas and Damien Marley I mean there was the no that- real big Electronic headliner in that 2010 festival. And then I remember looking at the lineups for everything the next year, and it was, you know, Dead Mouse. It was. The idea
1: was, in 2007, the idea that a uh, dance act would headline Lollapalooza yeah. was wild. Right. In 2011 and beyond, yeah, you would. You can't have Lollapalooza without a yeah. dance headliner. Yeah, I mean. So a- nowadays, the festival grounds at Lollapalooza have expanded across the street yeah. from Michigan Avenue from Grant Park. Like Grant Park is now not big enough. Yeah. For the grounds, because Perry Stage is so big, it's as big as the two main stage, uh, main stage uh, shows there. So they they put Perry Stage across the street because it's as big as that the the other ones and as loud and they can't have the bass drowning out the rock bands. Yeah. Uh so like they've invested this whole thing uh uh it's true like it's insane the evolution that dance music has taken in the last 10 to 15 years. It really is. In 2019 the electronic dance music industry netted an estimated 7.2 Billion dollars globally, almost solely on the back of audiovisual overloaded night, uh, live performances, largely springboarded from uh, that fateful summer in 2007 when two French robots showed the world how the groove can be the star. Wow. Oh, yeah. Uh, and as always, Daft Punk rumors persist.
0: Every year at Coachella, Daft Punk is a part of the conversation regardless of whether they have an album out. Everybody, the first thing you hear and the thing that you hear throughout the entire festival is, where is Daft Punk? The rumor mill is unbelievable. Oh, I, you know, your friend says they spotted them in VIP or someone spotted a robot helmet, you know, by the soundstage and, oh, I heard they're playing or, oh, I heard they're going to show up during Kanye West or that's always the rumor.
1: Absolutely true. Yeah. I, uh, um, I work at Electric Forest, uh, a festival here in Michigan um that is musically as far from Daft Punk as you can get and yep. still be in electronic music. It's like a dubstep festival. Yep. Out there there's rumors at Electric Forest. There'll be like there's like uh I I heard they're here and they're going to play an RV at 4 a.m. No they're fucking not. <laughs> no they're not. They rock if they played a jam band set. They yeah. came out with guitars and yeah. played like 3 hours of E
3: minor or whatever. Yeah,
1: every year at Lollapalooza, it's the same thing because they've been there and they have Chicago like house influences. They always o- like people always try to tie it. I was there. We were talking about you guys have seen Phoenix live. I saw Phoenix live. Yeah at Lollapalooza and I truly couldn't enjoy the show as much as I would have or should have because the entire festival was overtaken by the rumor that because in two thousand ten Daft Punk uh encored with Phoenix in New York that they were gonna do the same thing at at, at Phoenix's big Lollapalooza show to the point where it was like I was talking to strangers at Lala Blues, and they were like, "Yeah, my my brother's cousin is friends with Perry Farrell, and this dude knows. Like, he saw him here. He hung out with Tomas at like an after party last night. Like, it's happening. And like, I was so convinced that like all of Phoenix's show, I was like trying to inch my way up for the the encore, and then tunes, the, the fucking encore happened, and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't happen." But it's just like it's this pervasive never, thing.
3: They've never done the same thing twice. Yeah, and anyone who thinks they're going to is, is always going to be disappointed. Yeah, you know
1: the the Daft Punk rumor thing. We're gonna we're gonna have like a, a fun episode yeah. at the end of all this, uh, talking about like what Daft Punk rumors. Have. Like I'm inventing a lot of my own for them. Yes, yeah, so rumors rumors perv- like because you know projects are so far, few and far between. Rumors fuel the Daft Punk fan base. And live rumors are this crazy thing. Like there was there was an enormous rumor that they were actually spotted at Burning Man at like 6 a.m. or whatever in this some weird fucking tent And and like No, they weren't. Like it was like it ended up being like two dipshit DJs in like bike helmets yeah. painted gold and silver. Like that's like it's just like every every festival every little pocket of people I mean, like there's all, it's always it's this pervasive expect, thing in festival culture that but it, daft punk is somewhere around and they're, they're if if i'm in the right spot they're gonna be there i think
2: it's a greater societal thing you know like the conspiracy the reason conspiracy theory people can find evidence is because they're searching for any possible thread and retroactively like backfilling the evidence as to why yeah. it works right and i think that's the idea that we see with with festival rumors and and and, and you know greater Daft Punk rumors in general right You know there's gotta be something more To them being in DJ Hero or Something you know that idea that they're trying To say something and we do it here a Lot you know but this is the place for it I yeah. would argue of like what, you know what do they Mean by this what are they trying to do are they trying to tell Us something is that you know the logical next Step to this I know this they're not so trying they tell have <laughs> Yeah but I'm just saying like I do it all the Time the yeah, logical next absolutely. step to Ram Is going to be this thing that can com- that narrative that they're saying When in reality I think probably probably Probably, you know, the same thing with the conspiracy theory uh, response in general is probably the truth is what the truth is accepted as because, you know, this complexity, how are you going to, you know,
3: I'm, I'm one to dismiss a lot of rumors but it's also very fun to be like. It's yeah. fun to be like. I hope they do this weird thing. It's, right. Yeah. It's and part of the magic of yeah. this whole theatricality. Absolutely. Right. And Absolutely. I think that there's part, like, cool. like the mystique. It makes it like they could show up. Yeah. That. I mean, and that's, that is
1: ultimately like the biggest bummer for me as a Daft Punk fan, is that I when the day that they broke up, it I realized that. I don't get to wonder What the next thing but is But I,
2: I mean like again I would make the argument It's not happening Darren it's not either, happening But I, who fucking, cares That's why they you gotta be your own. But yeah, my point is buddy. who cares Like it, you can You can still have This optimistic thing yeah. That there could be this light That maybe one day changes And you know yeah. like That's But that isn't a thing About whether but it's evident At that point yeah. It is choosing to live In a world yeah, where Dev, y- Dev choosing to, Yeah definitely Choosing <laughs> to live in a world Where you want to believe That maybe something could happen Is I think is a Is a You know it's a decision I choose to make The bell stops ringing
3: at the end of Polar Express, for that guy
2: because he grows out of it. Yeah, exactly. But I'm, I'm saying, if do I really magic, think Daft Punk's gonna fun. put on a show and surprise us one day? No. Probably not. Do I think there will be some variation where we hear music from the robots at some point in time? Not as no. robots. Not as robots. I think we'll hear something, I and I, I think it'll be cool. D- I don't
3: mean to be facetious, but like, it's more fun if you just believe it's gonna happen. I yeah, agree. That's, cool. my, that's my that's my 100 point guy. there.
1: I 100 yeah. percent agree. I like as a guy that is obsessively followed these two uh I, I cannot wait to see what they do next but it's going to be individually
2: and also the other side of that i think that
1: that I they think wouldn't have done cool. it the way they did it if they if they didn't want right. everybody to know they you know like part like yeah whatever it i mean it doesn't matter but
2: it, it doesn't it doesn't truly matter and my point is you can choose to look at that from whatever lens you want you know you seeing daft punk now can be you recognizing their Im- impact on a genre that they've defined and you know seeing that it's a lesser version or whatever but i'm just saying you can find yeah. daft punk with the cap you know the capital daft punk or whatever the hell we want to say uh anywhere we want daft, you know, punk, knowing this stuff.
1: daft punk at the lowest point of their career had freed themselves of the expectations that the brand daft punk had drummed up over the last 15 years that freed them to prove once and for all how friggin' cool they could be. Uh, this is a great quote from Tomas. There was less pressure. We didn't tour after discovery because it was an album that was complicated to produce and transpose on stage. These days we're at a moment where we have no obligations, no spotlights pointing at us. We're finally, no one is expecting anything from us. The time had passed And it was sort of fun to start all over again.
2: Yeah. And I
1: think that this – yeah, this this tour is uh, – like, them proving how important and influential they are. And from here on out, they get to just do whatever they want. Yeah. And everything that they produce from here – like, yeah, like, again, they completely change in a way. But people stop questioning – when they change right like because of this they have like given themselves this opportunity like think about what what random access memories is compared to the rest of their music they they just get to do whatever they want now yeah. and, and people they've, trust they've, them as being the geniuses that they are
3: they were put under a lot of pressure by the, suce- yeah. the success of discovery and then they had some things that took the pressure off and then they had success after success with this and ram and whatever they did and they took the pressure off themselves again with what they did yeah they you know now they are free of that pressure and can do whatever they want again the same way they did then
1: this this night that i got to see them was the the single best night of music of my life yeah it's the best concert i've ever seen it opened an entire world to me that I didn't know existed. Uh, I, I, it changed my life because, uh, uh, yeah, I like, I like, I just, I stopped being snobby about stuff. I just want, I just chased stuff that made me feel good and, and stuff that was built to, to make you have a good time. Like it, 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 it made me like more relaxed as a person and more open and honest about the things that I like and the things that I choose to spend my time doing, like getting a chance to see this show proved to me that, that art doesn't have to be um uh, some esoteric, like hard to grasp nonsense. Like this show is the essence of like things should just, exist to allow you to have a good time and like i like i i have modeled my entire life after that idea i so that like this 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 is this 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 show this tour this what we're talking about right now it like it's one of the most significant moments of my life i honestly yeah um and I, i i'm incredibly grateful for what like what this music has meant to me and uh uh i can't I, I will never not be like tied to the like this is this this is ingrained in my DNA at this point because I was lucky enough to be one of the six hundred fifty thousand people that fucking saw this live and and um yeah, like I, I cannot I cannot find the words to express how important and influential and meaningful in in this this is to me that like it fucking it changed everything for me.
2: I um I, I I agree with you on that, and I you know from a very different perspective and a very different window. You know, for for for, for me, Daft Punk as a whole, but this this album especially, and then later on experiencing this live show with you guys uh, by way of how we choose to watch it. I mean, it's when we say you guys want to do a live sometime this month, it's like that's like an exciting thing that I look forward yeah. to so much when we do that. But I think you know, what's the, why, why, what is the reason? And I've thought a lot about this leading up to this week. And I think that it it touches almost the exact same point that you're touching on. Up until this point in my life where this is what we're doing, where we're really excited about music for the sake of, you know, making things together and connecting and talking about it and finding people around the world who agree. Up until this point, I I agree with you, Andy, that for me, it felt like, Art and creativity and, and almost good had to come from trauma or hard work or something like that. You know, we've been trained, I think, as a society to believe that 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 there needs to Artists be bad. Ever, yeah. There needs to be bad to be good. Yeah. And and this this you know, whether Daft Punk is a, ca- a, a a catalyst or a window to something. I don't really care to examine it that deeply. I know that because of this stuff that we're doing, I now realize that I'm I can just be happy to be happy, and things some things just exist to be happy and to be good yeah. and to make things so that they exist, not to be against something or to win against somebody or to you know to pull. Uh, you know to to get more power over something or anything like this. The reason that th- this show for me is an embodiment. This album this collection of music and people is an embodiment of that idea. It's a ridiculous yeah, idea with a million moving points that exists because people had the idea to make it exist.
1: Ultimately it made me a more accepting Absolutely. person, honestly, because yeah, like as as an 18-year-old snobby little shithead, yeah. I looked down on people for their choices of music. Right. And then I and then I found this stuff and I completely understand why, why folks don't like this repetitive, abrasive, uh, uh, like crazy noise that I comp- like choose to surround myself with, and and that opened me up to like, why, why, why do I, th- why do I look down on other people yeah. for the stuff they like? Like we're all. We're all just here trying to find right. th- stuff that brings us joy. This is what brings me joy. And another cool thing on that note, like we pointed it out while well,
2: we, you know, we, we had a group of people together. We had a barbecue. We all DJed. And then later on, we projected this concert on the side of a building and we watched it. And I, I remember like looking at my parents and seeing my parents like dancing and moving from the back. Yeah, your mom out. got into it. Right. And yeah. my point is up until that point. You know, my even even recently talking to my, dad, I just don't get it. I just don't get the right. live show. I don't get it. And, and you know, when people click, when it clicks for them, it's when they realize that it's not something to sit down alone in front of a TV and right. watch. It's something to experience and realize the humanity and togetherness and that shared experience. Yeah. You know, and, and that I think is something we can see over and over again. You know, you, you know, you can see it yeah. get into people's skin when they realize it's not about consumption. You know, it's about. Being a part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And whether you're participating in dancing or, or you know, or, or creating or, you know, mixing songs together. You're, you're just being a part of I, something that feels alive so and,
1: I, and full. I went to Lollapalooza with 12 people. Yeah. I went to this show by myself because I couldn't convince any of my friends to go see a dance act in 2007. Yeah. But so I like... Uh it, it's hard it's hard to be alone at a place like that when you're 17 or whatever. Right. Uh uh it's scary and alienating and you're you're nervous to talk. Now now at a festival, I'm chatting strangers up and yeah. I'm high-fiving and hugging and whatever. Amen. It's the, then I I was not that way. I was, you know, it's yeah. scary a little bit to be by yourself. Yeah. That shit started the robot robot human robot and it like for the next hour and a half, all I felt was how how much fun those seventy thousand people were having. Yeah, and I was a part of it, and it was one of the most powerful moments of my fucking life.
2: I I, I mean, I, I wish I had that experience. And but 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 like something I can equate that to at a certain level is when I saw Stevie Wonder. Yeah. you know, like it was the same mentality yeah. of like, oh my god, like this is you know this is just wow you know like that same mentality but i think there's a similar energy to that um yeah. that that's very
1: very cool um um so we uh we knew this episode was gonna go really long we did yeah. we're gonna go track by track but what do you guys think about making this two weeks well yeah we're gonna we do should. That. okay great so um uh that this was our report on alive 2007 next week we will be back with our track bye Track breakdown We're of the album. The show. We're gonna do the show. We're gonna go through al- or track by track, relive the live show. And, and yeah, re alive two thousand seven. The that's, show. Zomb- that's zombies. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> uh, so please come back with us next week and and do that with us. We would love if you. Uh, familiarized yourself with it by listening to it a bunch this week and, do and went a through. Favor. Yeah, do
2: yourself a favor. And
1: and if you it haven't listened listen to, to, listen to
3: the album, watch the YouTube video. Yeah. If you're a
1: casual Daft Punk fan and
2: you've made it three there's hours no into this, there's no way you're, you're a casual. Uh, but my Daft point punk is, <laughs> it, it, give give <laughs> give this album a listen as its own album. I mean, it, it belongs yeah. it belongs in the conversation of standalone albums with Daft Punk. It's the I, I would so make an it's argument. it
1: is it it it's the best it's the best live album ever any genre of music in my opinion yes um uh but yeah uh so we're gonna go we're gonna go through the, the album next week but uh, uh every week we close out uh our episode by highlighting an artist a song um that uh that has been an earworm for us could be a brand new song could be an old favorite it could be something that we've rediscovered, something old that we've discovered for the first time. Just just a dance track that we're loving in this specific moment in time. Uh, uh, this week, I picked a brand new track. This came out uh, this week. It's uh, one of my favorite uh, current artists right now, Peggy Gao. Uh, she just put out an, uh, a song this week called Nabi, and it is a song – like she put out a little press release about it. It's a song specifically about the beauty of life in a re reconnecting now in a vaccine world as we as we all kind of connect back together after COVID. That's what this is supposed to be. Just the the beauty of reconnectivity. This song's called Nabi, and it's really 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 nice.
4: We 지가 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 지가
1: Very pretty. Peggy, Peggy Gal. Gal she really does. She's like, uh, she's got some awesome stuff out there. If you, I heard her
3: do a set for a festival that I think was like a jazz festival. And she played a bunch of like weird jazzy dance. Really? Music. She can do, she like, she the hardest hitting techno I've ever heard. Yeah, she's got also fucking range stuff. She's one of the fucking
1: best. She's got really a, like a lot of range as a performer. She's
3: One of the top like 10 DJs doing.
1: It, I've never know? seen her perform. That's one for the list. We yeah, got She'll be see. around yeah. this year. Uh, yeah, like I feel like she's really exploded recently. Yeah. Uh this is uh,
3: her first track in two years. Is that right? Yeah, yeah.
1: and she's just like kind of like in the zeitgeist a, a, a lot. I don't know. Yeah. Recently, I don't know.
3: Her, her I mean, her big sets are so re-listenable. Yeah. She's
1: great. Uh who's next?
3: I'll do mine. I did um a Junior Sanchez and Todd Terry tune uh called Live Forever. Todd Terry, uh all timer, he's been making house music since the eighties. Oh, Junior Sanchez um, also has made a bunch of great tracks. They've made a few together that I really like. It's a groover.
1: Nice. And you know yeah. what I say? Um, I'll
3: live 2007
1: forever. A live 2007 know. forever. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what a groove. just a yeah. good, just a just good a nice, house smooth, track. Sm- that
3: came out a month ago. And it's, it's that great. sounds
1: that sounds like it could have come out 15 yeah. years ago. It sounds like it could have come it's, out 20 years ago. That's incredible. Like, that's, like, that's just like nice, basic house that's music. That's magic of Todd Terry. Love it. Todd Terry.
3: What are the greats? All-timer.
1: All-timer. Darren.
2: Yeah, so I uh, I've been on a I've been on a disco kick. I've been on <laughs> yeah. a disco kick Kisco. for a while. K- a a kick I've disco been on a disco man. kick for a while. Uh, th- my my sister got me. My sister Alyssa got me re into this track. It's uh, Rasputin by Boney M. This the what you're gonna hear is uh, specifically it's a club mix by somebody named G Mart. I don't know who that is, but uh, this track has been in my head for. A while now, uh, and I can't get enough of it.
0: But when his drinking, and lusting, and his hunger for power became oh, yeah. known to more and more people, the demands to do something about this outrageous man became louder and louder.
2: I love hey, a song hey, with a story. Hey, if, if you hey. can, if you can listen to that track and not move a little, you are dead Something's inside. Something's wrong with you. Yeah. You're dead inside, or dead outside, or dead outside. <laughs> <laughs> no, I uh, I I like I said, I've I'm been on a I've been on a disco kick, and that that song is that track is so groovy. That's Hell a great yeah. one. Uh, and, and and yeah, just I think
1: that clip sums it up as yeah. to why. Awesome. Guys, what a journey. Um This, uh like I said, I was incredibly excited to talk about this record, and we're only, f- we're going to keep talking about oh, it. Yeah. Please come back next week for our track-by-track breakdown of the album Alive 2007. Thank you so much for listening to us ramble on for hours about the, the tour. Uh If you think we missed anything, if you want to add anything, if you saw the show and want to share your experience, Uh, Or if you just have a Daft Punk story to tell, like that beautiful story we got from uh, Caesar this week, email us info at Alive2021.com or connect with us on Facebook, Alive2021 podcast, uh, Instagram, Alive2021 podcast. Reach out to us. The the single best thing about this whole experience has been connecting with Daft Punk fans around the world, and we want to continue to do that. Um, so please, uh, please reach out. Uh, I'm Andy. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Andy, Reed, Andy Reed, Reid. Andy Reid. R E I D. Or on Twitter uh, at drgoodtweets. Dr. Goodtweets. Dr.
2: Good uh, I'm Darren. Uh, you can find me on all the social medias at uh, at the most Darren. T H E M O S T D A R R E N. And also, I produce music and DJ under the name uh, A Bomb. Uh, you can find me on Spotify and all the other things. Uh, and then also, I uh, stream some video game video game content on Facebook Gaming. So check me out over there, DSG Gaming. Uh, and hopefully, I'll see you around.
3: Uh, my name's Devin Jetski, and um, you can uh, check me out at um, my house where I live if you want to. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, and I think with that, we'll see you next week. We'll see you, robots. Bye. We won't see you. At,
3: I we, mean, don't, we never get to see no. you. Well, you'll, hear you'll, us. Us. you'll hear us. You can robot. send us a picture of you listening to it. <laughs> yeah, like. send
1: us a picture of you listening to it and <laughs> enjoying it. Don't
2: send us a picture of you not enjoying it or else. Bye-bye. <laughs>
4: Hello, everyone. Alive 2021 is
2: a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid, developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosnay, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.